What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to episode number 503 of the Smart Guy Moment Smack Talk podcast, Hot Tags of the Week, where we're doing something a little bit differently this time around. Um, I'm going to be recording my thoughts on a few hot tags, and then I'm actually going to be switching things over to Rob and Callum separately, um, scheduling situations differently this week. Uh, there was a loss in the family, and my attention has been much, much more dedicated to more important matters. So um, I asked Rob and Callum to kind of take the leads for this one, and I wanted to make sure that I filled in some opinions of some of the things I have to say about this, because this was a busy week with uh, some of the things that happening uh, that we would normally be covering in the hot tags. But a little bit differently, as you could tell, there was no main event this week uh, that we didn't really have a game plan for that anyway, so, um, you know, uh, they have a full two hours worth of conversation for you guys coming up after what I get out of the way really quickly right here, but just a reminder, as always, drop a comment below, tell us what your thoughts are for the hot tags for this week and any other kind of things you want to chime in about. Make sure that you hit that like button, hit that follow button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, ring that notification bell, join us on the Patreon side of things if you want to help support us on the monetary platforms, uh, take advantage of those different tiers that we have on there. You could also join us on the members-only side of YouTube, and that way you can get access to the dark casts and the members-only kind of content that's up on there. You can also hit that applause button if you want to send us a little bit of a tip. And you can check out the merchandise shops on TeePublic and Redbubble. And, of course, follow fanboysanonymous.com for everything that's happening over there. And I promise I'm not just here to plug things. I do want to tell you about some of those things that uh, Rob and Callum will get more deep into. But, yeah, very uh, interesting hot tags. Um, we will eventually talk more deeply about this as, you know, the trio um, and break some of these things down individually and reference things back in the future. But... Before we get into the nitty gritty, I'm going to just mention a couple things. I'm not actually too sure if they got into these, so I'm just going to give you know, give my opinions about some random things and some of the big topics as well. I don't think that they would have been talking about this one, but um, WWE has trademarked complaining is not conversation, and I don't know exactly what that is in reference to, but I think that that's a pretty interesting trademark. Um, that's something to pay attention to. It's obviously some kind of a slogan. It's not something that is going to be a new character name or, you know, something along those lines. But whenever they do these kind of trademarks, I'm always interested to see how this is going to play out. So, you know, when it comes to complaining is not conversation, uh, how's that going to apply? I mean, that, maybe a John Cena thing, maybe something about Goldberg. I would assume probably more so on the John Cena side of things, but hey, you know, pay attention to that. Also wanted to mention that Wesley Blake has decided on what his new ring name is going to be. It's going to be Weston Blake, which is pretty much exactly the same as what it was, except you just change a couple letters. So I think that that's a decent enough name. I don't think that he should have gone by anything completely different going forward because it's a little bit jarring when somebody goes from being like... Um, I don't know, just a, this isn't a particular character's name, obviously, because I'm just making something up. But if somebody was like James Anderson and then they just become like uh, Kurt Williams and you're like, who the hell is this guy? You know what I mean? So Weston Blake, pretty close to Wesley Blake. 
I mean, it's a race call to make. Uh, he said that Blake is his older brother. Weston is his last name. So, yeah, it's a good way to put it. I would have thought maybe Blake Weston. <laughs> but again, not my call. Um, Talking about the TV side of things here. Let's get into that. Uh, so, very interesting set of television episodes for this week. Starting with Monday Night Raw, my quick opinions about that. Again, Rob and Callum are going to get into much deeper discussions about some other things, particularly the main thing you're seeing on the thumbnail. But um, Monday Night Raw had some surprises to it. We've got, I'm not going to break down every single match. You can, of course, check out everything on uh, smartcutmoment.com about this kind of stuff, like, you know, Symphony of Destruction match and so on and so forth. But the most interesting elements of this that I at least could see coming, um, not could see coming, could see being talked about are... Um, the split with uh, Nia Jax and Reginald, and that leads to Reginald winning the 24-7 championship, which is kind of indicative of how they feel about Reginald, it seems. There was a report before that Vince McMahon was a big fan of Reginald, and now that he is 24-7 champion, it's a good way to keep him in the mix without keeping him part of the Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax setup. So I like that idea. Obviously, we got the return of Keith Lee, which is fantastic because Keith Lee is one of my favorites and I really, really want that guy to succeed. We had been hearing for the longest time that we would find out why he was gone and it seemed like it was some sort of a medical condition, but God knows what that was and we still don't have any information about what that exactly was. Of course, you could speculate about a million different things and it really doesn't matter because it's speculation, but that uh, was very concerning for a long time because when they don't say anything that you just kind of assume, well, is it concussion? Is it some kind of, uh, it could be anything at that point, but he's back. And that's really, really good. After he loses to Bobby Lashley, Goldberg comes out, challenges Bobby Lashley. So there's more confirmation on the Goldberg side of things for SummerSlam. A lot of people, not too big of a fan of that. Uh, I'm not really super duper duper looking into it as like, you know, oh man, I can't wait for this to happen. But you know, it could be worse. It could be better. It could be worse. So I'm not going to be complaining too, too much about that. Uh, I know that other people are going to be complaining a lot more and they can do most of the complaining for me. Essentially. Uh, I think that it, it makes sense and I'll be tracking that. I, I write some articles about it as well. So, you know, we'll get into that and some other discussion, but that's the thing. Even more of a problem in my mind is Karrion Cross pops up and he loses his match to Jeff Hardy. And supposedly WWE is looking at this as why is everybody complaining? This is just one thing that we're doing. Well, it's probably the wrong thing that you're doing that. And I don't understand their philosophy behind you have to have somebody lose to be able to motivate him going forward or whatever, because he could easily just be doing this kind of stuff that if we're leaning in the direction that they're going to have him just beat the crap out of everybody, he could do that by being jumped from behind, or he could do that from just being a badass or anything. I don't understand this idea that like, uh, you know, he should be losing his first match. You know, booking like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but then again, I'm logical. And uh, we get Nikki Ash. Nikki, I'm not going to say Nikki A-S-H every single time. I mentioned that before. Nikki Ash cashes in the Money in the Bank briefcase. She wins the Raw Women's Championship from Charlotte, which means not only does Charlotte have another super short reign, but 
you know, she is in a position where out of all the things that they could have done, they give it to Charlotte and it's switched over to Nikki. And I still feel like it's Charlotte's the bigger deal out of the bunch. And I don't have a whole lot of faith in Nikki Ash's reign being something that's like, you know, that they're really, really going to uh, turn into the most positive thing in the world. But, you know, maybe they are. Maybe they maybe they will do that. I don't know. Um, I think that it's partially because they just want to get it out of the way. They don't want to work the money in the bank briefcase like two at the same time. I think that there's a chance that they do just want to rack up Charlotte's 16 time count. And I think that this obviously means that they wanted the cash in to happen. And then that's why they took the belt off of Rhea Ripley. But I don't see Rhea Ripley winning the championship back anytime soon either. So um, I'm going to keep your eye on when it comes to those things. Um, switching over to NXT, the most recent NXT one, not the spoilers. Uh, we do have spoilers for NXT and 205 Live for the next little bit of time. But uh, we got Confirmation of NXT TakeOver 36 happening the day after SummerSlam, so that's pretty cool. We know some of the matches, but we don't really know some of the matches, so I'm not going to really go to spoil anything. You can check it out on SmartCutMama.com. But uh, we do have some information when it comes to that. In the meantime, on the episode that you did see, just so I don't spoil anything for people that don't want to know about the spoilers, we got Samojo feuding a little bit more with Karrion Cross. We got some stuff with Legado Fantasma and Hit Row. It's pretty interesting things here and there. Zia Lee seemed to have suffered a little bit of an injury. Hopefully she's okay with that match with uh, Raquel Gonzalez. Um, not too much going on really outside of the spoilers that I don't really want to get into. We'll, we'll talk about that a little another time. But um, fun episode from what I had seen. On the NXT UK things, the main thing that we got there was that the TakeOver is going to include that Ilya Dragunov and Walter match. And that's pretty cool. That kind of makes it seem like they know that that's an important match. And I kind of think that maybe that means that Dragunov's going to win. Oddly enough, it's going to be in front of fans. So if that's the case, then maybe that's why they're doing it in front of fans. Uh... It's not a guarantee or anything like that, but wouldn't that make you think that that would be the case too? Just because they could have just done it in front of BT Sports. Maybe they just really want to have that kind of environment. I don't know. Uh, it's got me suspicious, that's for sure. So not really much else on the NXT UK side of things. Over on SmackDown, before we bounce around to AEW, because we'll come back to AEW, but on SmackDown, we got the re-debut of uh, Tony Storm. She is now a babyface. She has a new finisher. Uh, it sucks for Zelina Vega. She loses another match, but she apparently doesn't care because her bank account is doing well. I don't know if I like the new finisher as much. It seems a little clunky. Maybe it'll grow on me. I didn't like the idea that they recorded at the two different places, but they could have done that better. They could have done that worse. It was something a little bit different. Not the end of the world. And... Some of the other things on SmackDown were mostly just stuff that we're going to factor in a little bit later on, so I don't really need to get super deep into, like, uh, you know, hey, John Cena did this thing with Roman Reigns. Eh, you know, we'll talk about it another time. Fighter Fast Night 2, if we're going over and we're talking about that, that is something that I honestly didn't really like as much as Night 1 in a lot of ways. 
mostly the interesting thing that happened in my mind, the two, uh, the two interesting things, yeah, were number one, because I guess you could say three, but number three really didn't really factor as much into me. I don't know anything about Nick Gage, so I can't really talk about that. That's the number three one where I'm like, uh, yeah, well, it's a thing. Doesn't really apply as much to me, but um, the two interesting things I should say are Chavo Guerrero replacing Vicky Guerrero as Andrade's mouthpiece, which I think is a much, much better fit. I like that a lot better. I like seeing Chavo too. He seemed like he was really interested in hanging around, having some fun. And Lance Archer beats John Moxley to win the IWGP United States Championship. Didn't think that that was going to happen. So I'm very surprised about that. That match was pretty cool. I don't know anything about Hikuleo, so I can't really talk about, you know, the chances for him winning the championship, but it seems like it's a possibility. And then um, I guess we should just get into it a little bit. At least I should just get into it a little bit before the guys do on their own separate recording that they did before I recorded this. Uh, CM Punk and Daniel Bryan are going to be joining All Elite Wrestling. All that speculation and all that hearsay turns out to be true. I don't know why it took him that long for CM Punk. I assume at this point, Daniel Bryan's been in the mix for discussion as soon as his contract was pretty much ending. Obviously not contract tampering, but as close as you could possibly get to starting to uh, incorporate that kind of discussion into the mix. I'm excited about seeing both of them in All Elite. I think that AEW is the best place for both of them because WWE is just kind of too stifling for people that are in their headspace. You know, Daniel Bryan, he wants to wrestle. He just wants to just wrestle. WWE isn't a full-blown just wrestling organization. They are much different in their approach to AEW. And Daniel Bryan's fought most of the people in WWE that would have been all that interesting. You know, there's not only uh, a couple people, there only is, I should say, a couple people in NXT more so than anything else that he has not had a feud with. And that would be kind of interesting because do you really want to see Daniel Bryan just up against the same names again? Daniel Bryan against Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan against Seth Rollins, etc. It's the same old, same old. But Daniel Bryan against Kenny Omega, and for that matter, CM Punk against Kenny Omega, and, you know, both of them against Cody Rhodes, and you got... Uh, I mean, you got the same names that we name for everything else when it comes to that. I think that that's the best call for them. They would work less dates. They will probably make just as much money or, you know, relatively as much based off of the amount of work that they're doing. Obviously, creative freedom is a huge, huge benefit to them. So that's a lot easier. They don't have to deal with the pressures of the Vince McMahon type of boss WWE's been firing a bunch of people, so it's like it's not even job security. My short answer for this whole thing is I'm very excited about both. I'm disappointed that it's not just a world where everybody's just in WWE and everything's working better, but that's just my urge to merge everything. But I think that this is going to be great for AEW. I think that these are two of the most important steals. That, well, it's not really steals. The two most important gets that the company may have ever had. At this point, even more so in some ways than Chris Jericho. I'm more excited to see what CM Punk has to offer, but I'm interested in seeing both of them against a multitude of people and high and low up on the card. You know, give me Daniel Bryan versus Jungle Boy. Give me CM Punk versus Hangman Page. 
can beat either of them against uh, John Moxley with the gloves off, you know? So I'm very interested in that. We will talk some more about this a little bit later on. And we've got a whole two hours left in this podcast for Rob and Callum to dive deep into their discussions on these. So thank you for uh, checking out my portion of this. Uh, continue checking out what they uh, these guys have to say. Thank you for all of your support. Thank you for... Uh, thank you for sticking around. Thank you for listening. Thank you for everything that, you know, I can say. And uh, we will be right back with Robin Callum's side of things. For me, I'm being counted out, but, you know, I'll talk to you later, everybody. What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to episode 503 of the Hot Tags here on the Smart Out Moment YouTube channel, Smack Talk. Uh, it's a bit of an odd one because you would usually be hearing Tony's voice right now. Instead, you're hearing me. Of course, me being Callum Wiggins, I'm joined, as always, on the hot tags by Robert DeFelice. Callum, it's an honor to be here with you on the hot tags. And yeah, we got no Tony this week. He's handling some personal stuff. But we're going to soldier on and you should be hearing his voice as he told us he would add something in the middle of this, just giving his opinion on certain things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you will you will hear a little bit of Tony, but for the most part, you'll just be hearing us talk about this because we thought even though there has been a few bits of pieces going on like behind the scenes over on this market moment side of things these are some of the hottest hot tags that you're ever going to handle on a any week of uh, wrestling history so i feel like it was important that we get this out it's important that this show is that we continue the trend obviously don't want to just miss a week especially a week as big as this yeah yeah i don't know how long this is going to go for it's going to go for a while, but it's also important, you know, we show Tony that, hey, it's okay to take a break every now and again. We got this. And honestly, there's probably no better hot tags for you to be on because we got some big ones. Yeah, it's definitely a, a dive into the deep end here. So, but of course, before we get uh, just dive into them and just go through all the entire list that we have here, this immense list of news and events, I just want to remind everyone to smash that like button button hit the subscribe button if you're not subscribed already check us out on all the social media platforms facebook twitter mainly those two i don't know if we're on linkedin or anything like that but, but def definitely hit us up on facebook and uh, twitter join the mega maniac facebook group if you're so inclined to do so just get involved in the conversation and some of these hot topics with other like-minded wrestling fans yeah if you want to um click the applause button drop a few uh, dollars our way that would all be that's all greatly appreciated and of course you can do so as well over on the smart Cut moment patreon as well patreon.com slash smart moments uh, a lot of uh, goodies there and stuff like that and uh, special benefits and tier list rewards for different amounts that you're able to give us but you can find that all out on the website itself but i think we'll leave that for now there might be a few other plugs hitting you uh, towards the end of this but there's a lot of stuff to dive into so let's get started um tony usually uh warms the people up before we hit with the really big things of course you know what the big story is because it's a giant thumbnail now staring at you probably of two wrestlers who haven't wrestled in a little while one obviously a lot longer than the other one but uh we'll, we'll definitely get to that don't worry but let's start with a few um like a few like uh i guess uh appetizers really uh and appetizers would usually count to trademarks so let's start with WWE trademarks. Complaining is not conversation. Yeah, this was a big one. And this one was a big one for me personally, because I think I'm the first reporter who caught wind of this, posted it on Fightful, and it blew up. 
where obviously people look at this and they say, ah, WWE is basically taking a dig at their fans, saying that complaining is not a healthy way of having a conversation. I I think it's incredibly ironic. It does sound like something Stephanie McMahon would say on a PR call. But I also look at this and think, oh, Bray Wyatt's on his way back. Yeah, I was going to ask really just as the the general term, because it does seem like it's going to be like a dig towards fans in general, just because... Yeah, that's it's what WWE fans now do, like the idea of uh, um, Paul and his friend Mark not watching anymore and stuff like that, just turn, turning off and going away, but just going to complain on the internet. But who do you think, you, you're basically saying that this is a gimmick geared towards Bray Wyatt's char- new character if he comes back with one? Yeah, well, no, I think it's it sounds very much like something you would hear on a kid's show. Like, hey, mm. guys, complaining's not conversation. So if they start Firefly Funhouse again, I can see it going there. But Bray Wyatt's whole gimmick has been abducted by Alexa Bliss. So maybe it's for her. Yes. I, I really don't know. It's it's a crazy trademark when you think about just the nature of wrestling. Yeah, it does it does feel like it's a little uh, more than tongue in cheek, that one. Uh, but that is not the only trademark news that I have listed down. I see here as well that uh, WWE has applied to trademark Earn the Day. That's straight up John Cena. Yeah, absolutely. That's very much a... Um, it's like saying that he would post on one of his uh, aspirational Twitter threads. So... Yeah. Uh, I mean, you... we're going to talk a lot about Cena on this podcast, mm. I imagine. But yeah. it's, a great, it's a great trademark for him because that's exactly what he does. He earns the day. Um, AEW has also applied to trademark the first dance. That's an interesting one. I wonder if that's got anything to do with the uh, announcement Tony Khan will be making regarding a live event mm. ne- next week. We also have a, a, a slightly odd um, individual one. Uh, Max Caster, obviously of AEW, um, part of the acclaimed, is uh, trademarked the phrase best wrestler alive. Yeah, and you know what? I think it's amazing that nobody else has that trademarked. No, it's, it, it, it's a good, it's a good one to um, hit up if you haven't got it. If no one else has like dived into that already, because we've always had things like best in the world. I mean, multiple people, including people that we'll be talking about later <laughs> on in the show, have uh, yes. pro- proclaimed that phrase and the goat and stuff like that. But best wrestler alive, I guess, hasn't really come into the conversation that much. So to pick that up is going to be a boon for someone, especially who is as uh, prominent on the microphone as Max Caster is. Okay. So yeah. I, see where he goes with that. Good for him. I definitely think he's going to be a big deal. He's on TMZ every day now. They worked mm. out some kind of a deal where he's just rapping every day about sports news. So good for Max Caster. AEW is rapidly picking up some major, major wins. So let's see. I mean, there's so much stuff here. I'm just going to be bouncing around a little a little bit across all things. I'm trying to save some of the bigger stuff till last. Uh, let's talk about uh, Canyon Seaman being let go. For oh, that's fine. Right. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. so, so this, I was, this was rep- yeah, this was reported a couple of weeks ago that this had happened, but then it was essentially retracted or they said, oh, we we chopped the gun too soon. The reports that he'd already been let go, but he hadn't. And now it seems to be absolutely official that he has been let go, the senior vice president of talent development. That's insane. 
Because it was insane, uh, you know, weeks ago when we heard the news. I think he's let go around the same time as, like, Fandango and Tyler Breeze and all that. But now it's like, you had, like, three weeks to stew thinking you might be safe. And now now your release is public. Uh, a lot of people don't like this guy. I've seen uh, Dr. Tom said a lot of heavy words about him. Uh, Cornette said some pretty mean-spirited things about him. Uh, he's one of those guys that, I guess, rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. But it's truly a new day in WWE. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So to, to lose someone in that prominent position, especially one associated with talent relations, because WWE hasn't seemed to be particularly good at the talent relations side of things, particularly right now, because, well, primarily the job of talent relations right now seems to be saying, we wish you best of luck in your future endeavors to about half the roster. But the, the honest, honestly, I'm kind of disappointed with that bitch just because his surname is Seaman. And I think we could have gotten a lot of mileage out of that. Yeah, well, they did edge for several weeks there. But now the semen hasn't been released. Okay, I'm going to move swiftly on <laughs> from, from that. There's no time for these sort of jokes. There's too much news going on. Um, uh, the reports are suggesting from a Fightful Select as well that um, Randy Orton Randy Orton is currently out of action and has been for a while, and they're hopeful that his return date will be on August the 2nd. That's good. I miss Randy Orton a lot. Um, I yeah, want... he's, he's fucked up my fantasy league of not peering too much. <laughs> I, he's doing some good stuff with Riddle. It's hard to believe, Callum, that it's been a year. It was a year ago that I was like, oh my god, Randy Orton is on this like surprise great run going up to SummerSlam with McIntyre. And he seems to have fizzled out in the last few months. Because even though he did win at Mania, he won at Mania in a match that seemed get Alexa Bliss over, and I, I feel weird that all he's done since then, he was supposed to fight Braun Strowman. He, mm. uh, he didn't, and then he had a thing going with Riddle, and then he just sort of disappeared. So whatever it is, I'm glad he's supposed to be coming back in a couple of weeks, and I can't wait to see it. Yeah, that would be, um, yeah, it's definitely beneficial for the tag team app because it seemed like it was a lock. The, the SummerSlam match is going to be AJ and Omos versus RK Bro for the Raw Tag Team Championships. But obviously that match can't happen if one of the participants on the tag team side of things isn't available, unless they draft in. Because I, I guess it was like the um, Riddles had this before in that Pete Dunne wasn't available at the start of the pandemic, so they drafted in Timothy Thatcher to be his tag team partner. So maybe they could do that again. But I... I the RK Bro dynamic has been one of the, the only highlights of Raw this entire year. So it would be a shame if that had to end due to an unfortunate injury to Orton. That's so crazy. That RK Bro, which wasn't even supposed to be a thing, just sort of took on like wildfire, you know? Um, something that I saw here that I've, I don't know if I have much um to comment about here, but um, uh, the, the surreal life. Oh. Is coming back, and CJ Perry, Lana, obviously formerly of Lana in WWE, is involved in it as well. So, yeah, I wonder if this is the show, because she did Jericho's podcast, and she was like, yeah, I thought Johnny was hitting me up for a show that you'll hear about soon, because they approved it, and then they called me to fire me. I wonder if this is the show that she was talking about. Yeah, so apparently the um the reboot 
of the uh, series, which originally ran from 2003 to 2006, and China was involved in the um, first run in season four, so there are, there is some wrestling legacy to it. Uh, apparently, as well as CJ Perry, it also involved Dennis Rodman, August August Alcina, Stormy Daniels, Tamar Braxton, Frankie Muniz. Frankie, oh, really? Yeah, from Malcolm in the Middle, right? Yeah, wow, Frankie Muniz. Uh, uh, Kim Coles and Manny Mua or M-U-A. Don't, oh, don't the know. makeup guy from YouTube? Okay. I, I, I don't know half these people. I'm not exactly uh, clued up on a popular <laughs> so, culture these days. All I know about it, so Manny I know because I have friends that love makeup and I've been sent a lot of his stuff. Uh, Stormy Daniels is the porn star that mm. was suing Trump for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, is Lana and Dennis Rodman. You know, this could get really fun. Yeah, well, actually, I mean, it's actually quite bizarre to think that um, out of the actual people in the show, the one that actually was a former WWE wrestler has done less, well, has done a um, less impressive thing in wrestling than Dennis Rodman has. I know. The <laughs> Rodman's been in the ring with Hogan. A lot of kids say that. Yeah. Main evented uh, multiple pay Several pay-per-views. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. So that's some stuff there. Uh, Jake Roberts has extended his contract in AEW. Uh, yeah, Two-year really extension. Cool. Yeah, it's and good to have these that, uh, legends. Involved. And Archer finally won something, so maybe they'll have something for Jake to do. Yeah, we will talk about that when we get to the AEW show reviews. A lot of AEW news to get to, as you would, might expect. Um, another thing from WWE side of things, uh, obviously we've talked about... Uh, Canyon team, and maybe we could have linked those ones together. But uh, talent relations going, someone else might be coming in, and that person coming back in would be Braun Strowman because there are rumors circulating that WWE is interested in rehiring him. And this was kind of sparked by people spying on WWEshop.com that there was a brand new piece of Braun Strowman merchandise uh, released, even though even though he's still technically hired, but technically uh, part of the company because his 90 day no compete clause hasn't expired yet. It does mean that people will get a little bit speculative if a piece of merchandise relates to him comes out very soon after he's released. So I'm I've never been more convinced that much like CM Punk said when asked about the releases, the right hand's not talking to the left. Like period, the right hand is not talking to mm. the left. Because how many times have we heard already? Well, they kind of want this guy back. They kind of want her back. They kind of want him. Like, what? who made the decision to let go of these people? And how do you not, you know, consult the people that are writing the television show that matters? Yeah, it, it, it is bizarre because, like, essentially the one person that can hire these people and also is in charge of the creative is, is Vince McMahon. And it's one of those things where we talk about how... I think we've joked in the past, especially about creative decisions, about it depends on what side of the bed Vince McMahon gets out of that morning. And so maybe one day he gets out of bed and Nick Khan comes up to him and says, can we cut this guy, this guy, this girl, this girl, this guy as well? And he goes, yep, sure, that seems to make financial sense. Then he goes to sleep about it, and then he comes into work the next day and says, hey, what are we doing with Braun Strowman right now? And he says, well, we let go of Braun Strowman. You told us to. And he's like, what? I didn't even said that. You're fired, to some like, <laughs> random intern. And just like... It's so sad. It really is. I mean, I assume the idea is that as, I, I can only speak again. This is just speculative. This is me talking out of my ass, as it were. 
but I would say that in a lot of these cases, it's the idea of um, releasing someone who's on a decent contract. As people, as it was widely reported, Braun Strowman was earning about a million dollars a year and trying to re-sign them on smaller contracts when they realised that there's nobody really fishing for them at that level. So, yeah. so I think that's the idea of Braun Strowman because I, I wouldn't say that anywhere, other, like, uh, I, I'm sure New Japan, if the world was more open right now would have hit them up for Braun Strowman right now already. And I assume AEW is probably at least spe- uh, toyed with the idea of signing because why wouldn't you do? He's a former Universal Champion. He's a former huge star in WWE. And WWE Did showed... Goldberg. Yeah. And WWE showed in, like, especially in the early days of Strowman being like a singles guy, that he can be a really big asset for the company because at one point he was the hottest star in the company. But it just maybe they just feel like but he just fits the mold of like he's a wwe guy he doesn't fit in AEW. he doesn't fit in a lot of other places because he's too big i had said that i expect him back by the royal rumble i i don't expect him back right now but stranger things have happened it's just like if they do him like they did vega where they're just like hey braun Strowman's here it's then don't release these people. You have yeah, to acting more... like you never left. Yeah, like just what are you doing? It, it's very strange to me that they seem so comfortable with that. So that's basically due to the fact that I'm basically hijacking the hot tags now with from Tony. I thought, well, let's talk about some stuff that Tony wouldn't usually talk about. So let's okay. let's 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 extend the before we talk about the big WWE and AEW news because there are a few big some pieces that we're going to be talking about towards the end. Let's spread the net a little bit wider to the entire wrestling landscape. Let's talk a bit, Rob. And Rob, you're my expert on this because I don't know about this, but I know it was a big deal, and I want you to talk to talk me through this. The trial of Faye Jackson. Oh, so so Wednesday night, you know, after the the AEW has a great show, the trial of Faye Jackson occurs. And basically what had happened is Faye Jackson, former independent women's wrestler, said, I'm so certain they won't give Biggie the briefcase that I will drop nudes on the timeline if they do. And then, of course, they did. And, of course, she did not. And Sugar Dunkerton, formerly known as Pineapple Pete, your co-host was, like, was my co-host on the Fightful Smackdown podcast just yesterday. And he said, I am taking you to court. And they had a Twitter trial conducted via Twitter spaces. And Callum, they broke the system twice. (laughs) They had names there from Austin Creed to Drake Maverick. They had uh, D'Lo Brown was there. Tasha Steeles of Impact Wrestling acted as the judge. Big Swole of AEW was the... Uh, attorney for Faye Jackson. It's insane to me how simple it is and how if you get the right wrestlers in the room, doesn't matter where or how, because even if it's comedy, if it's good and entertaining, it will gain some traction because the trial of Faye Jackson trended number one on Twitter. Yep. Which is insane to me. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a really big deal, especially for someone who is now a, a former wrestler, as I, I believe, right? She's. Uh, yeah, I asked uh, Sugar that 
I was like, yeah, does this bring her back? Because there's obviously interest, you know, and yeah. You never she only, really reti- she only retired a couple of months ago, right? Right, it was after Mania, because she had an injury. And of course, at that level, when you have an injury, it's sort of like, maybe I do need to take a step back. But man, how cool is it that wrestling can still bring people together on that level? Yeah, it's definitely a, um, a cool thing. Uh, we'll talk about some news that uh, tears more people apart, really. But we'll yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's the it's the most it's the most inclusive and divisive uh, entertainment medium that it probably is, it's other so than the weird. Marvel universe. But, it's uh, so weird, but they are Marvel, so that's fine. I, uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed the fact that uh, wrestling was really praised this week, though. Um, let's talk some New Japan news, even though obviously we will be talking a little bit of New Japan stuff when we get to uh, AEW Fighter Fest Night 2 as well. But more specifically, more close to home with New Japan, uh, Kota Ibushi uh, has gone down with aspiration pneumonia. Uh, apparently not, not completely non-COVID related, but uh, this comes at a, again, this seems to be hitting New Japan from all angles recently. Like the worst thing at the worst time, uh, because he is supposed to be main eventing their big stadium show on july 25th uh facing uh shingo takagi for the I- well, iwgp world championship well this they still call it the iwgp world it's, championship it's the world heavyweight championship yeah the world heavyweight championship yeah so he would be taking he's meant to be taking him on it says that um they're hopeful that he'll be back for that show but obviously with a condition like this you need to take a safety first approach and yeah, just just more awful news in a very awful spell right now for uh, for New Japan. I know that uh, was it Tanahashi said. Yeah, hey, he, would, uh, ta- go, he would he would step into I'll the breach. Yeah, so we could we could see that instead, and that I'm sure that would be a, a great match as well. It's just it's just a lot of. I mean, this has happened a lot of times with uh, New Japan recently. Of like, they're the top stars in the title matches getting injured. So they've already had Will Ospreay injured having to drop the championship prior to that that there were more issues there were other issues with coach Ibushi as well in terms of injuries and stuff along those lines and illnesses yeah it's it's been a um it's been a rough you know, time for new japan for pro- rough year since, and it's yeah basically since the, the outbreak it's been and it, it's been so hard to get back into them because of it and it's unfortunate because obviously when they're on there's nobody better and they've been doing they're doing a lot of cool stuff with like impact and AEW and the Forbidden Door kind of thing, but they just can't shake these terrible illnesses and things of that nature. Uh, but on the positive side, uh, Hiromu Takahashi is cleared. That is true. You know, it could be a big year for LIJ. Mm-hmm. Shingo finally won, wins the world title. Uh, hopefully Takahashi can stay healthy. Like, Summer Struggle is hours from when we record so maybe we're talking about some big new japan news yeah it would be good to talk about some of that stuff because it's it's just so hard to get back into these days but the g1 is coming up pretty soon so we can see how that goes as well obviously right now japan's uh more concentrated on the olympics as well so i wonder if there'll be any association with that but we'll see going forward um so that's the New Japan side of it. Let's uh, dive back over stateside 
And let's talk about Impact Wrestling because Impact has had a big week as well. Obviously, maybe not so big as the stuff that's been happening in WWE and AEW, but I'd say it's it's a solid third place in the uh, the promotions that have gone t- tongues wagging this week. You don't um, usually uh, hear on on this podcast on the channel. Let's talk about Impact Wrestling, but that's how big of a week they've with, had. with such enthusiasm. With such enthusiasm, yeah, like, that is the week that they've had because they had Slammiversary, mm. right? And lo and behold, Slammiversary is actually a major event, and it actually produces at the end one of the biggest surprises, which is Jay White is in Impact Wrestling. Yep, so throughout Slammiversary, Slammiversary, um actually watched it. It was a good it was a good show. I think it was it was pretty um pretty entertaining. Saw the debuts and returns of a multitude of superstars. We saw um uh, Mickey James appear and step up to uh Diana Perrazzo. Saw Thunder Rosa challenge Diana Perrazzo for the um uh, Impact Women's Championship on the Knockouts Championship, uh, f- falling short. Uh, Juice Robinson and David Finley came back for a match. Well, not not much of a match, but it was, it was technically yeah, they a match. They were in the ring for about 30 seconds, but yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, we got to see uh, Chelsea Green came back and uh, teamed with Matt Cardona against uh, number one contender for the uh, Impact World Championship, Brian Myers, and uh, Tennille Dashwood. Isn't it crazy? I know, it's... Like, like with impacts, it's like, wow, two step forward. You have to just take that one step backwards, though. It's just, uh, <laughs> just my okay. guess is, I think they're gonna do something else with uh, the impact title. You'd, ha- but, you'd have to hope so. But um, I mean, and it's like Brian Myers at this state. I don't know, like, because remember, if the champion wasn't Kenny Omega, and to be clear, like, if the champion was still somebody like a Rich Swan or Willie Mack, I'd be like, yeah, Brian Myers, Willie Mack, that about adds up. But it's Kenny Omega. Yeah, and absolutely. that's what makes it different. Uh, Kenny Omega, of course, defended successfully defended the Impact World Championship against Sammy Callahan in the main event. And as you say, it was the big the big news of this show was what followed afterwards, which was uh, Jay White appearing of the Bullet Cup Club cohorts with uh, Gallows and Anderson and Kenny Omega. Admittedly, he joined the Bullet Club after Kenny had gone, and Gallows and Anderson were long gone by that point. But there seems there was seemed to be some sort of camaraderie. They'd all put the um the two sweet sign up, and it looked like Jay White might have been able to do something. But then the feed just got cut, and apparently things happened afterwards. And then Sean, because Sean Rossap was there, yeah. And Sean's like, yeah, uh, David Finley went after Jay White because they have a match coming up, and they did that, and everybody split. And, of course, the follow-up on Impact was uh, they offered Chris Bay a spot in Bullet Club. Yep. And he appears to have accepted. Yeah, so it seems to be that uh, Chris Bay will be the newest member of the Bullet Club. Obviously, he's done some work with New Japan recently as well. He's part of the uh, he was part of the original that uh, New Japan Strong. Um, it was part of the um, it was the uh, Super X Cup. So he was part of the Super J Cup tournaments. So he has he has had some work in New Japan Strong. So it's not surprising that he's the one they've picked up. And Chris Bay does have star potential. So Oh, he's great. Like I think I think he's one of the best American representatives you can get for Bullet Club at this time. Yeah, so it seems to be a very uh, successful pickup. 
Uh, one of a little bit of uh, Impact news is that uh, Kiera Hogan is leaving Impact Wrestling. That's an interesting move. Yep. So that basically, I mean, when you leave Impact, and Impact has one of the strongest and most well-booked uh, women's divisions, as it were, there's really only two destinations you can be thinking about. Just where, what what side of the uh, North American one and two? What and when? But yeah, really. I I if I was a betting man, I would say she's going to NXT. I uh, look. I think if she's going to NXT, more power to her. I'd be surprised personally, but you know, more power to her. Who's her um? Who's her girlfriend? Uh Diamante. Yeah, that might sway a little bit more, yeah, so. so there so, is a Women's Battle Royal at All Out. Mm. They could use any surprises they can get. Yeah, the Casino Battle Royal. So we've already spoken about how we're hoping that we've got people like, uh, well, not, uh, what 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 name is she going by it's now? Not it's not Heidi Lovelace, it's Ruby Soho. Yeah, Ruby Soho, so... Hopefully we'd see her pop up. It would definitely be cool to see uh, Kia Harrigan come up as well. She's definitely improved quite a lot in the um, last couple of years. She's been part of Impact, like a multi-time tag team champion there. So, uh, yeah, I feel like that would be that would be a good move to make, especially if you, she was just uh, there to team up with Diamante as well. So, yeah, more power to it. But, uh, I do feel bad for anyone at this point that says, I want to form a women's tag team division. Like maybe don't do that, guy. Like, look, I I understand why we did it, but I feel like we have seen in the execution that maybe it's not worth it. You know? Well, well, yeah. I guess it's a wait and see, a wait and see approach, really. Like, I'm totally down for the idea of them doing it, but if you're gonna do it, then you have to do it properly. Like, don't just do it because you feel like you're obliged to do it. Because as soon as you feel like you're obliged to do it, rather than you actually want to do it then the results are going to speak for themselves. And we've seen that in the WWE side of things as well. It's more like, oh, yeah, we did it because like people were asking for it more than we actually wanted to have a women's tag team division. Right. Yeah, so it doesn't work. But realistically, people should want to do that because it's cool. And you've got plenty of talent, so you should be able to do that. And not, and certainly not make two separate sets of women's tag team titles between when the idea was that the women's tag team titles could be defended across all brands. Don't do that stuff. Don't be stupid. Yeah. Um, okay, now we're moving on to, I guess, some of the bigger news uh, and events. Um, I, I don't really know how to go go with some of these stuff, but let, let's start with let's start with WWE side of things. And we, let's, let's fold in the show reviews to this stuff as well, because a lot of this stuff will be directly related to show stuff as well. So we can, we can meld it all together. So let's start with um, some show reviews of... The lesser, the lesser side of things. Let's start with 205 Live. Uh, did, 205 Live happened. It did. It, it, uh, it certainly did. Look, yeah, Ari Sterling against Jake Atlas. Jake Atlas gets the win because why not? He's yeah, been yeah, on NXT TV. Yeah. I think Ari Sterling, of the more recent signings, is the one that's like going to break out. I think Ari Sterling is the one that you'll probably see on an episode of SmackDown one day. Mm. But I, I like Jake Atlas. Jake Atlas is really good. He's, you know, he's been on uh, NXT TV with, with the Mercedes Martinez. I think they did a tag match against Zaylee and Boa. Yeah, that was the one that uh, Mercedes got her, uh, a clock cleaned for that kick. But um, uh, And then uh, Asher Hale 
formerly Anthony Henry of Evolve, defeated Guru Raj. Good to see Raj getting some time. I know that like he was brought in specifically for Superstar Spectacle. I'm glad that he's getting to do more because honestly, everybody deserves a chance to work. And harmless, harmless show 205 Live. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, just two two random cruiserweight matches happen. So yeah, that's good. We've got some spoilers as well. I mean, if you if you really don't want to hear spoilers for 205 Live, then uh, cut away for about more, 10 more seconds. More power to you. Yeah, cut away for 10 seconds, but we say. Um, on the July 30th episode, it'll be Drake Maverick will defeat Asher Hale. So short-lived success death for Asher Hale. And uh, Leon Ruff, remember him, will defeat uh, Grayson Waller. And on the, I, I feel like Ruff is better than Tira. Like he was good as NXT's one, two, three kid. You know, like I, I enjoyed that run he had. And good for Drake getting any time in the ring. Yeah. And on the August sixth episode, NXT Cruiserweight Champion Kushida will defeat Ari Sterling. Oh, good. See, so I assume, I assume, that's, I assume that's a title match. You see, Kushida gets to face Ari Sterling because Ari Sterling is good. Yeah, good. Good. Put just put good wrestlers in the ring. Apparently, that's the only match that's listed for that one. So I'm wondering how they're gonna. They probably out went the rest 20 minutes. Yeah, it's only about 20 minutes of in-ring time, so they probably took the whole 20. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, I mean, that's uh, again, fair enough. It's just it's it's a show that happens. If you want to watch it, then feel free. But uh, I hopefully that hasn't ruined the experience of watching that show for you. Um, let's talk uh, NXT UK. A little bit so few matches happening of course as usual so they i guess that the big news is that um and we can tie this into they've they've announced the next uh nxt takeover nxt takeover 36 will take place um august 22nd 2021 so the day before um, yeah the day before SummerSlam. yep and uh, it's gonna feature no no, no. it's, it's it... happening the day after SummerSlam. Oh yeah, it's happening. Yeah, because it's they do Sorry, something like that. This is, uh, it's so bizarre now. I can't get used to this stuff. It's it's weird. But uh, so SummerSlam is SummerSlam is actually the the precursor for NXT Takeover 36. Um, with the announcement over on the NXT UK is that there's going to be an NXT UK Championship match at NXT Takeover 36. Not not a specific NXT UK Takeover, but the just the main Takeover show. Uh, Walter will defend against Ilya Dragunov. You know, I like it. It's my favorite match of uh, 20, uh, 2020. So. The only thing I don't like, honestly, is that they were like, oh, you know, we think that this deserves to be seen by the entire world, basically burying the NXT UK brand. And it's like, that seems so, so counterproductive. Mm. But I'm very excited for uh, Ilya Dragunov and Walter to have the match that I think they deserve to have. Yep, yeah, just put a killer match in front of uh put it in front of fans this time even though i did actually quite enjoy the fact that their previous match was in an empty crowd pretty much because you just hear walter beating the shit out of him and i imagine it'll be more of the same but uh talk about the rest of the show nina samuels defeated laura di matteo good stuff they have yeah. a good women's division apparently that was nina samuels samuels first match since february oh oof. yeah so uh so yeah, it's good to see her back in the ring then, as I guess. Uh Ginny and Joseph Connors appeared on the Supernova sessions of No Noandar. And then that was um 
followed up by Joseph Connors defeating Tristan Archer in a match. Um, I yeah. like Noam Dar doing the Supernova Sessions. I'll say that. He's one of my favorite parts of NXT UK. And then, uh, so there was a, um, a stare down as well between Ophi Valkyrie and Ginny. So I imagine uh, that's the match coming up soon. That's got to be in the next week or so. Maybe even next week. Because I know that, that they did announce that Jordan Devlin and A-Kid will be in a 30-minute Ironman match in a, on a future episode. Mm, uh, sounds good. Yeah, it does sound pretty good. And next week, they announced... I com- I've completely forgotten. Maybe mm. you have it up in front of you. Because I, I watch NXT UK every week. But as you know, stuff goes by so fast. Uh, I only have like the results that WWE put out there. So they th- if th- so something was announced, WWE has not uh, okay, translated Yeah, it's Mustache Mountain against Symbiosis. Well, and I good. like Mustache Mountain. And I think that for sure Trent Seven is gonna turn on Tyler Bade and try to take that Heritage Cup. I mean I, not, there are worse things to do. Week, yeah. But, worse things know. to do than uh, put Tyler Bate over on a uh, the veteran his veteran tag team partner. So Absolutely. Uh, but speaking of tag teams as well, the main event of NXT UK this week was the uh, tag team champions pretty deadly retaining their championships over Subculture. Subculture's got a cool gimmick. Like, they've got, like, a very kind of grungy pop, uh, not pop punk, but actually, yeah, because Mark Andrews is a pop punk uh, guitarist. they got, like, this just a really cool vibe about them. I love Pretty Deadly. I think that they are the cheekiest heels they're two good-looking guys that you want to see get punched in the face, and they win. It's just easy booking. So, all of it's exciting. Yeah, so, okay, so that's the uh, the quote-unquote lesser shows dealt with. Um, I think we've got to go pretty chronological on this one, in terms of... Uh, um, there'll, there'll, um, there'll be some more uh, stuff related to NXT TakeOver 36 when we talk about the NXT stuff, but I feel like we need to talk about Raw before we talk about NXT, because something on Raw happened, which was very much related to what happened on NXT. So let's start <sighs> Let's start with starting Monday Night Raw. Uh, Raw opens with John Cena's back, and John Cena is being shared between the... Uh, I'm going to use uh, a phrase coined by the wonderful Denise Salcedo, uh, because I think it's the best encapsulation that anyone has ever said about this relationship between USA and and uh, Fox, the uh, the sister wives, uh, scrambling <laughs> over their yeah. um, scrambling over their little toys and trinkets. Like I want John Cena. I want John Cena. Okay, we'll both have John Cena. That's fine. So this doesn't make sense to me, Callum. And I I've asked Sean about this. I've asked you know Tony. It doesn't make sense. Why are they fighting when it's literally just hey stupid. Merge the brands so we can have everybody. Why are they like, well, we're the only ones that get to have Roman. Why? If everybody wants everybody, there's a very easy way to do that. Merge the brands. It, it, it's the weirdest situation where logically that dictates that it should happen. But then once you merge the brands, you might as well just cut half the roster. Because you don't need them anymore. Because literally all the same people will just be on the same show. Because they will be on Raw. There'll be a 20 minutes devoted to whatever Roman Reigns is doing, and 20 minutes on SmackDown to whatever Roman Reigns is doing, and then John Cena's involved, and whatever Bobby Lashley's doing, and stuff like that. It's just it's going to be across 
all the shows would be pretty much the same and that means people would stop watching smackdown because they always stop watching smackdown when this stuff happens so it's just it, it it's a bizarre situation but you can't you can't like live in this uh can't live with this contentiousness between two separate entities it, that's why it was so much better the brand split was so much better and so much easier when nbc was both were around smackdown but yeah, yeah. it's it's so stupid to me mm. and luckily their deal with hulu is ending i say luckily so that you know we don't have to entertain the idea of main event mm. anymore but like it, it's so bizarre to me that these companies do that because first of all and we're gonna get to nxt in a minute nxt now more than ever should not be on the usa network it worked better as a one-hour show on the network. It makes decisions like the one we're going to talk about easier to understand. Because when you when you say that about a show on the network, when you do things pertaining to characters on a show on the network, it's one thing. But when NXT is a two-hour program weekly on the USA Network, and you act like you don't know who the characters are, that's a problem. Yep, so we had John Cena come out. He started off the show, gave his usual it's a John Cena speech. It's good. He can work the crowd like pretty much nobody else at this point in time. And he endorsed Riddle for a little bit as well, made jokes at at uh, Roman Reigns' expense, basically said that he's gonna challenge Roman Reigns to the Universal Championship because Roman Reigns is in a bleep because well, they have to they have to cut so these things out. You can't say asshole, but you can say bullshit. Yeah, I imagine uh, there's no bleeping in uh, John Cena's uh, Suicide Squad appearance, so I imagine oh, he can no, say no. a lot uh, worse peace, things than that, yeah. Peacemaker is going to be a very, very vulgar movie, or series. So we moved on from that. That was one of the highlights of the show, one of, like, two or three, depending on your perspective. But uh, move on to Matt Riddle and the Viking Raiders defeated John Morrison, AJ Styles and Omos. And then it was announced afterwards that the Viking Raiders are going to have another match for the Tag Team Championships. I want I want to put this out there. The Viking Raiders were supposed to wrestle for the Tag Team Championship on Raw this week. Mm. That match gets moved to the pay-per-view. I guess it's a make good for losing Bailey and Bianca. They lose the match. Fair and square. Yet somehow they're like, oh, well, we we need to have another match for these belts. So they're going to get a match on TV. It will be next week. I have no faith in them winning those belts because it's all about Omos and Styles. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, we'll talk about uh, more of this uh, attitude WWE have on SmackDown where losers get multiple title opportunities because, you know, reasons. Yeah. There's like, that's Reason, like, that's reasons like, indeed. Uh, Jackson Riker defeated Elias for the fifth time in six weeks in a symphony of destruction <laughs> match. Stupid, right? Like, why yeah. is Jackson Riker? I again, I don't get salty about a lot of these things, but Jackson Riker still being there genuinely bothers me when he cost two people their position. But yeah, you can argue Steve Macklin and Weston Blake are going to be fine. Macklin's already on TV for Impact. And Blake, I'm sure, is on his way to doing something. But you still cost these people their spots. Mm. 
The, the fact that you're there feels weird to me. Not only that, like, they cost him it and he's still there. He's there and he's being pushed. That's yeah, like, it's, it's of all so people weird. to push, it's just the most bizarre thing. Like, but you know, these these things happen, especially in this company. Um, Nijax and Shayna Baszler lost to Natalia and Tamina, but the post-match stuff was the most interesting because uh, Shayna Baszler looked like she was going to cause a wedge between her and Nijax by saying that Reginald is the problem. Nijax goes to seemingly comfort Reginald, then headbutts him. He completely no sells the headbutt because he doesn't know how to work. And then he, then all the 205, uh, not 205, the 24-7 gigs, even worse than the 205 gigs, the 24-7 gigs run out. Uh, gets in the ring. He's dealt with some flippy stuff by Reginald. Reginald pins him, becomes the 24-7 champion. And yeah. I think this could be a fun way to, if they're good about it, you can maybe revitalize the 24-7 title. Yeah, this, yeah, I, I don't see this as a negative because, first of all, it gets Reginald away from the women's division, which is... A, which a needed to happen almost a year ago at this point. Yeah, I have no idea what's happening with both Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler or, well, obviously, Natalia and Tamina are tag team champions, but they're seemingly going to lose it to Knox and Shotzi soon, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, having a very flippy guy who is very acrobatic and can get out of some funny spots... To uh, by the chasing 205 crew, no, 24 7 crew. I keep saying 205 because it's just a bunch of losers. And it's just, uh, yeah, so I guess that, um, yeah, I guess that could be more entertaining than just someone going up behind someone and rolling them up, which has been the case for the last like 18 months. Yeah, and I'm glad that our truth seems to be moving away from this. Let's see what Reginald can do with it. And hopefully. It's something good, and it revitalizes the whole thing. Uh, Sheamus defeated Humberto Carrillo for what seems Again. to be the, t- yeah, the 50th time <laughs> in a number of contenders match where, obviously, it's, it's, it's basically the, um, the AEW uh, yeah, approach. Yeah, they ripped AEW's idea. Mm. They now do these championship contender matches where, hey, here's the reason why we keep putting these non-title matches together. They yeah. now give it, gave it a name thanks to what's got to be well, AEW did it, so we can do it. Yeah, so Seamus wins when Damian Priest was watching backstage. So obviously the, the program moving forward seemingly for SummerSlam will be Seamus defending against Damian Priest, which will be a far more competitive and probably better match than this. It's weird that uh, I, I think after that, Priest should drop into carrying Cross, provided that Cross is actually doing well on the brand. Um, I'm not sure where on actual Raw this fit in, but I'm looking at like a review of it, and I don't see it mentioned, so I'm going to mention it now. Uh, they did the Alexa's Playground segment. Oh, that was with... very much towards the end. Yeah, I know, but I'm just going to mention it now because two fuck cares. It's just like because more the stuff that happens next is the more the most talked about stuff on Raw, so I want to get this out of the way. Uh, it was with Eva Marie and Dewdrop. It was one of the worst pieces of television that you're going to see all year, and that's <laughs> saying something considering what Raw has produced. Uh, with Eva Marie talking like a robot and then falling over like she'd never fallen over in her life before. <laughs> She's very dramatic, very dramatic about it. Dewdrop is great. I, I think that Alexa's having fun with that aspect of it. Um, it's not my cup of tea, but it's working for somebody. You have to imagine that if you're, I don't want to say like any women dressed them because like you could look at like just all the actual people that are decent in the ring, like Peyton Royce or 
or uh, Ruby Riot and all that, and they look at this and just think, what the fuck? Lana must look at this and go, I can fucking do that. It's like, I, yeah. I, would, I, I would own the shit out of this character. And Eva Marie, Eva Marie is doing so badly. Her her run has been absolutely atrocious so far. I believe she said something like she had signed over a year and a half ago. Mm. And she's been working with Norman Smiley since. Now, Norman's not a great promo. Maybe they've been working on tightening well, Eva's skills. That's all Eva has. Eva, Eva, like all Eva has is the fact that she's hot and that she can talk a little bit. And she, and she, no, she's gotten worse at talking. And we're expected to see her get in the ring and do stuff. Like she can't do anything. It's just this is exactly what everyone feared who didn't want to see this, like her come back. And all the people who defended it say like, well, maybe she's gotten better or she's going to work hard or they must have something in mind for her. Just all having to just eat their words now of this stuff right now. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't give her money in the bank, mm. you know, but oh. we will see. We'll see what happens with Eva and Dewdrop and how long they actually keep the pairing together. I do think the only, like, slightly cute thing about any of this is Bliss saying Dewdrop, and then Dewdrop's like, hey, that's me, that's my name. <laughs> it's like, okay, I get it. Yeah, the name that she wasn't happy about, like, weeks ago. Yeah, but and maybe it'll be like, eh, she sets her free. I don't know. It's bad. Look, she took Bray Wyatt's gimmick. I still don't know where Bray Wyatt is. I want to know where Bray Wyatt is. I don't know why he disappeared. It's it's unfortunate. So let's move on to some more unfortunate stuff because we had Bobby Lashley in the ring, fresh off his decimation of Kofi Kingston at Money in the Bank, and he issues an open challenge. And who responds to it? Not Xavier Woods to avenge him. Not Big E with the Money in the Bank briefcase challenging him for SummerSlam. But a returning Keith Lee. Without spoiling what they did on SmackDown, I wish they would have done what they did on SmackDown here. So Keith Lee's back. He, like, he's been gone for like since prior WrestleMania. And back in Texas, back in his home state, he gets a big match with the WWE champion. Goes less than five minutes and he gets defeated. Pretty handily. Yep. And by the way, Keith Lee was building towards beating Bobby Lashley for the U.S. title when Keith Lee left. So that's unfortunate. Yep, so that happens, but never fear. Goldberg is here to save the day. Yeah. Uh, Oldberg walks up to the ring. He gets in Lashley's face, says that he's next. And yep, so this is uh, Goldberg's second match. In He's had two matches. This will be his second match this year. They've both been for the WWE Championship against the two guys who've basically had the WWE Championship all this year. And, yeah, that's the way that it goes. Again, it's just a case of he's done nothing to earn it, but he, the only thing he's done to earn it is that his name is Goldberg. And, <laughs> listen, on the one yeah. hand, on the one hand, I can, like, see the reason for it because Goldberg is a marquee name. The other thing is that, well, Goldberg could just wrestle anybody in the card and still get the marquee name on there. Why doesn't he... Like the thing with, I know many people have mentioned it, but the thing with Dolph Ziggler was perfect for Goldberg at SummerSlam. Why does he have <laughs> to fight for the WWE? Why does he have to fight for the WWE Championship? Because you can't sell. Because who's he going to beat up? You know what I mean? Elias. Ah, well, there you go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Riker. I'd love it if he beat up Riker. That would sell no, me loads of it. I, I want him to wrestle the same way that he wrestled against The Undertaker against and against Jackson Riker. You know what I would do is I would keep Goldberg a surprise. 
I know you want him on Raw dates and stuff like that, and he has been booked for two August dates of Raw. But if you're not, I'd keep him away from the, the belt, and if you're not going to put him for the belt, just have Elias. Hey, who wants to walk with Elias? And then Goldberg's music hits. Spear, Jackhammer, one, two, three, we're out of there. Yeah. I think Goldberg loses here because he has to, because I don't see Goldberg being WWE champion. We, yeah, so with, I don't know, obviously these things can change because contractually Goldberg has two matches a year and this will be a second match. So logic dictates that he won't be winning the title. Obviously we'll talk about this more when we do our SummerSlam predictions, but basically WWE could you just pay him to do another match to, to drop well, the belt. Well, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, yeah, of course. They'll, I That's mean, they'll pay him for that, yeah. But I, ju- I just feel like, like my prediction right now would be say that Lashley retains, but at least we know that there's going to be a match. There's going to be at least one match with SummerSlam that's going to go like five, ten minutes and then end one way or the other. The exciting thing here is that John Cena and Bill Goldberg are in a race to see who will be the first to capture all three of the WWE, the World Heavyweight Championship, and the Universal Championship. Goldberg is only missing the WWE title. Cena is only missing the Universal title. It's a race. How exciting. It's cool news. I think it's especially cool if John gets it. Because, like, John is Mr. WWE. It's weird if Goldberg gets it, honestly. Because he's not even a WWE guy. He's really not. Well, now he's one of WWE's guys. Because he's the one that they keep going back to. I I think they're just excited that they've gotten him to agree to a couple of matches a year for so long. So, it's absolutely insane. Uh, we know what else is insane. On a show that features the return of John Cena, uh, a, a, success, a return of Keith Lee, a successful a Goldberg coming back, obviously, a successful cash-in in the main event, which is already a women's title match. The biggest news story, the biggest thing that anybody was talking about coming out of Monday Night Raw was Jeff Hardy got no more words back. Yeah. It's... So it's wild, right? Like, I remember when they gave him no more words. It fits better than the Hardy Boys theme because the Hardy Boys theme has too much nostalgia associated with it. And Matt had had his own theme forever by the time they gave Jeff no more words. So no more words is back. People went insane. And then he promptly beat the NXT champion on Monday Night Raw. Now, there's so much wrong with him beating Karrion Cross and how he beat Karrion Cross. First of all, Karrion doesn't have Scarlet on Raw. He doesn't have his entrance music. His his entrance was the saddest thing that you could ever watch because I, I know we'd seen the thing on main event, but just to see him trudge to the ring singing his own lyrics is just the most... Yeah, it's it was utterly depressing. Then he gets in the ring with Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy has been as um I, I obviously don't want to tell too much because obviously you should be subscribing to this market moment Patreon above all else. But if you do have any extra spare change going wrong, I would suggest uh, signing up for Fightful Select just to hear Alex Pulowski shout the word Veer multiple times down the, down a microphone yeah. <laughs> about the fact you know, that Jeff Hardy lost most recently on main event to one of Jinder Mahal's sidekicks. It's amazing that I, I've been joking about Shanky 
since like January. And it's amazing that Shanky and Veer have had more success over Jeff Hardy than Karrion fucking Cross, the current reigning and defending NXT champion. Because all this says, oh, by the way, Jeff Hardy had to put his feet on the ropes. So that's mm. weird too. Yeah, weird for like, Baby today. Yeah, and it's like, at the very least, Karrion should have gotten up, beaten the shit out of Jeff Hardy. And pose with the NXT title. Because, my God, what what are you doing here? You stripped away everything that makes Karrion Cross worth a damn. Jeff Hardy, who didn't need the win, apparently, over guys like Jinder or Veer. Jeff Hardy's now beaten Karrion Cross, And it's like, oh, business as usual. Yeah. I mean, there is so much to unpack with this one. So we can't, we can't mention all of it because we've got so much more still to cover. But... The main thing to take away with this for me is that Karrion Krauss was wearing the NXT Championship, so it's not like they were trying to hide that fact or anything along those lines. The fact that he came out to absolutely zero reaction suggests that so many people just don't, even though NXT is on the USA Network and is is like actually like a show that's broadcastable and people who watch Raw on a week-to-week basis can watch NXT as well, nobody knows who he was. Like, he got virtually no reaction. Jeff Hardy got a huge reaction when he came out and won, so this idea of nostalgia going against the new guys is still running strong, and it's been backed up by fan support. And just the idea that you spend so long building up a guy like as your NXT champion, he was completely undefeated up until this point as well. The only other loss that he'd have was in a tag team match where he wasn't the one that was pinned. And, yeah, it's absolutely self-destructive and this has opened up a lot of discourse about the discussion that Vince McMahon is punishing NXT or is showing disdain towards NXT because they failed to defeat AEW in the Wednesday Night Wars or just the idea that he's just given up on NXT in general in the same way that he gave up on the ECW brand or lots of other ventures they did before just saying like NXT, NXT is a failed project and I'm going to treat it as such it's just like this is what you do to a promotion that, like, like this is what they did to WCW when, as we covered through like 2001 Wrestling Odyssey, they did it through the invasion. They were the loser promotion, and he treated them like losers in the invasion. This is, this is what he's doing with NXT now, which is the most bizarre thing in the world because NXT is his fucking property. But it's not a Tunners. Yeah, I know, but I, I know, but. But that's got to be it, right? Like, yeah. that has to be well, it. Well, yeah, that, there, there's no logical explanation as to why Cross... I know your fucking robot, Pete Rosenberg, who's, like, just eating up WWE money and spewing out whatever garbage they want him to say, will just say, like, oh, just wait for the plan to unfold. Oh, you don't know what's actually going to happen yet. But just... There's no logical reason why you have your NXT champion, who's building up, as we'll talk about when we do the NXT review... Uh, from big match with Samoa Joe at the upcoming takeover, who's been undefeated across the entire thing, there is no logical reason why you ha- would have Jeff Hardy beat him. If you want to give Jeff Hardy a win on Raw, have him beat whoever, like have him beat Cedric Alexander, or have him beat Shelton Benjamin, because Shelton Benjamin's doing nothing recently. So just have him win a match, have no all words come back, the crowd goes home happy, Jeff Hardy wins, have Karrion Cross destroy our truth or something. Like, it's, it's so wild. Yeah, no, it's, it's just, 
it's completely illogical and it's completely uh, self-destructive if you want to look at it that way or at least it's 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 very much tarnishes NXT which is bizarre because um NXT the very next night I know we don't really talk about ratings or anything like that but NXT drew their biggest rating that they've had done in weeks on the uh, the following night show up against the fucking NBA the final match of the NBA finals and it just maybe my 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 logic aiming towards that is just the idea that they tuned in just to see how they would deal with the carrying cross situation like yeah. it's a it's a bizarre circular way of like coming up with like this awful idea in the long term for NXT but to gain short term buzz for it and what buzz do you gain right now you hit the nail on the head NXT looks like a failed project i'm at the point now where i'm like Oh, man, we're all going to be talking about, you know, NXT from 2015 as, like, this magical unicorn time of, oh, man, remember when, like, Sasha and Bailey and uh, even a little further when they had the Undisputed Era and how, like, Gargano and Ciampa felt so special and then it died. You know, and then mm. it died. Like, it's that's what it's going to feel like. Yep. Like, how people go, oh, ECW, man, with Benoit and Guerrero and Malenko and, and Raven and Dreamer. And then, and you know, and then Big Sal. Like, and then the, the end of it. Like, yeah. it's so sad. Yeah, well, yeah, just, yeah, just people, like, many people think we have just been overdramatic about the idea that NXT might be, honestly, like, on the way out, but it's certainly being treated now again as the not even third brand, but your developmental territory, which nobody cares about. Just like, just imagine, how long did Heat last? How long did Velocity last? They lasted for a while. But how long did uh, WWE CW last? They lasted for a good number of years, and NXT has outlasted them, but these things do have a shelf life. The only two things that don't have a shelf life are Raw and SmackDown, and even for a time, SmackDown seemed like it had a shelf life. It's so stupid to me that, like, it's a completely different entity, though. You go to two hours on USA, you you can't treat it like this. Because for what it's worth, people are all excited about, you know, what they announced for NXT TakeOver. Spoilers, you know. Uh, I'll give you five seconds to plug your ear holes if you don't want any spoilers. But they announced that Samoa Joe... Is gonna fight Karrion Cross at Takeover. Yeah, that's people are excited. Yeah, people are excited because Samoa Joe is coming back. I think I think also the match he's in is pretty good though. Yeah, but I feel like I feel like Samoa Joe is carrying so much of the weight of that match. It's just the idea of oh he's back and he's gonna have a good match with Karrion Cross because he's Samoa Joe. Not people aren't excited because Karrion Cross is involved in it. I'd be excited if it was anybody that Samoa Joe's facing. That is true, because it is Joe, and I'm glad he's wrestling again. Yeah, yeah I'm, glad, I'm glad he's back, and I'm glad he's going to be fighting for the title. I just don't feel like Karrion Cross is holding up any real... He's, his name might as well be, like, in fine print on the billing. It might as well be called the Samoa Joe return match, NXT Championship, and then Karrion Cross in, like, little, little, little fine print underneath it. But, uh... And the, that, then we moved on. I, I missed out one segment as well because it was totally um, irrelevant anyway. Um, 
Uh, Drew McIntyre basically beat up uh, Shanky with a steel chair for about 10 minutes. And, uh, yeah. That was something yeah. that happened on Raw as well. Because Shanky. They're like, I... It's so weird to me that they're going with the idea of McIntyre and Mahal for the WWE title is fine. It's fine. Everybody knows they have a history. Mahal's got the a reign under his belt. It's fine. It's weird to me that they're like, yeah, let's go with McIntyre versus Mahal, the blood feud. Well, it's not even that. It's like it's not even a blood feud because they haven't mentioned anything about the history. It's a feud over a sword and a motorbike. And the the reckon the reckon uh slam not slambulance, but uh the reckon motorcycle thing. Like mm. it's literally an ad for a toy, which by the way, uh, over in your neck of the woods in the UK, there's a mother complaining about yeah. the reckon slambulance. Yeah, we got we got some we got some crazy people here as well. <laughs> it's just amazing. <laughs> she brings up the good point of like it's not like oh wrestling's too violent, it's hey, we just went through a pandemic. Why are you teaching kids to go around smashing ambulances? It's just silly, but okay. Now, uh, I, I, I would err more on the side of most... I'd take, uh, again, I don't want to say this because we get proved over and over and over again that it's not true, but I would like to think that most people aren't stupid enough to just go, oh, look, this, am- this toy ambulance can be uh, taken apart. I must go outside and destroy all ambulances. <laughs> Yeah, but essentially that's what this feud is about. It's about the wrecking motorcycle thing. So that's what we're doing for Drew McIntyre after a year as WWE champion. I'll say it again. He got fucked. He got royally screwed with the pandemic, and it's not fair. But he's now at the point of, like, it's straight-up apathy with him. It's almost like Ziggler-level babyface where it's just like, I don't remember why i liked you and i don't care anymore yeah it's it it does feel that way unfortunately but we'll see how this feud progresses maybe it will change people's minds i highly doubt it but we'll talk about that i also highly doubt something about the uh the final thing we'll talk about from raw which was the main event uh charlotte flair defended the championship against her raw women's championship against rhea ripley again because we have to have rematches on every single show um, the match ended with Charlotte Flair getting self intentionally disqualified. She got beaten up by Rhea Ripley afterwards. Then Nikki Ash comes down with her newly won Money in the Bank briefcase. She catches it in. She hits a diving crossbody and pins Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair, the 11 time women's champion, because we don't count NXT anymore because those belts what are not important. That? What is that, by the way? All last year they were like, she's a 14 time champion. Well, first of all, first of all, she's not a 14 time women's champion because she's only won. If we count the NXT Women's title, she's only won it 13 times because she's a tag team champion, which they're counting as the, the 14th belt. Because if she's 11-time Women's champion, that's her, uh, was it, it's like six women, Raw Women's title, four SmackDown Women's title, the one Divas title reign. It's like, like okay, if you're getting out to 14, that means you're counting her tag team title reign as a singles title reign, which is, which is a choice. But I guess anything to get you to 17 faster. It's absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, right, this just get, I mean, this just means that she gets to win more Raw and SmackDown Women's titles before she gets to the 17. It's even funnier. They're burying NXT again. Well, yeah, of course. But we've, we've seen that coming. 
I mean, listen, if you if your champion is losing in less than two minutes to Jeff Hardy, that's bad enough already. I think this is just like icing on the cake for them. But, it's insane, isn't it? But when you talk about the bigger story, which is Nikki Ash is now the Raw Women's Champion, first time, it, it this conjures up weird emotions for me, and I'm going to try and just explain it as best I possibly can. I'm super happy for Nikki Ash because she is, by all counts, an absolutely lovely person. And she's worked hard throughout. She's a big wrestling fan. She's worked all across the UK indies. She joined the company. She's done some great stuff as Nikki Cross with Sanity and the matches against Asuka for the NXT Women's title. And she's never had an opportunity like this. And she got this new gimmick. She's trying to get it over as best as she possibly can. And so it's great that she, that I'm so happy for the person, Nikki Cross, or Nicola Nicola Glenn Cross. Yeah. um, For winning this championship because she deserves it. I am not happy about the way this went down. And I'm completely, I'm in the camp that I think a lot of people are that Charlotte Flair wins the title next week. Oh, God. I I think that she'll win the title on, either she'll win the title on Raw or she'll win the title back at SummerSlam. That is kind of, those are kind of my mindsets right now. Because, I'm thinking it's next week because I feel like they're just going to have Nikki defend it against Charlotte in the main event or in whatever top of the hour segment or whatever. Charlotte wins it back and that's when Becky Lynch comes out. And then Nikki's completely forgotten about her. That's, that's what I think. That, that, well, that's, so, that's me being pessimistic, but that's been me being realistic as well. Let's break this down, though. I, I, I'll just say it. There, it was heavily rumored that we were going to be seeing Becky Lynch. Hmm. On well, the crowd was chanting for it. The crowd wanted it. The crowd certainly thought so, and uh, so did I. I mean, Nikki, uh, she deserves it. Like you said, she seems like a beautiful human being inside and out. Uh, I saw her on the bump with Robbie Bo- with uh, Robbie Brookside, and she's like, "Look what we did!" And it's like, how can you not root for this person? But by that same token, you saying that Charlotte Flair will just win the belt back next week. Is utterly heartbreaking. Well, I, I'm just just so people understand, I'm not on the booking committee. I don't make the decision. I'm just. I understand this, that. This is just like, what I think is going to happen. The idea of that even occurring is so sad to me that Nikki would lose the belt that quickly. I think she deserves a small, small run. She because she does. If you if you throw it away, then I'm gonna get mad because you threw the briefcase away. And I've said this a few times this week. Don't continue doing these matches if you don't actually have a long-term plan for the gimmick. So far, Carmella, who was the first money in the bank holder and held it for admittedly a very long 287 days, is the only one to hold it for longer than one day. Like, what what is it with these women cash-ins that they're like do it now, do it now, now. I mean, it's it's just they wanted to get like when it's first raw back in front of fans, they wanted to have a moment and so I did, okay. Becky the... Lynch could have been that moment. Well, yeah, and like she... look, the only thing I can say to that is if Becky Lynch isn't cleared, that's different. But if Becky Lynch is cleared and you're just gonna have her come out next week instead, Becky could have been that moment and you could have, you know done the Nikki Ash thing when it was time for another surprise, like in December or something. Yeah, I mean, realistically, like, 
I would say that you should have given Nikki Ash a run with the briefcase because it's a way of building up. You could have built up the story of like that she's not quite ready or she doesn't feel ready to take down Charlotte yet. Maybe she does like attempts a cash in but fails it because Charlotte takes her out beforehand and Charlotte. And then from that point on, she's a bit self-conscious about herself and she has to spend some time in feuds with people like Shayna Baszler or Asuka or people like that. And she builds up the confidence to eventually cash in and win it. And then it feels like a really good, a feel good story rather than just like, as you say, a, a moment for the sake of the moment. Um, alternatively, if if like someone on creative came up to me and said, like, you have to do this story, we have to have Nikki cash in the night afterwards and win the Raw title. I would say, well, how can we work it like this where we have like Charlotte defends it against Rhea. She screws Rhea out of it, but like she stands toward the end. Becky Lynch comes down. She makes a big return. She takes out Charlotte and then Nikki cashes in on Charlotte because then you can build to SummerSlam. You would have Rhea Ripley against uh, Nikki Ash for the women's title. And that goes whatever way it goes. And then you can do just as a feud because it doesn't need the title involved. Becky Lynch against Charlotte Flair. And then the winner of that match is the next number one contender. But they decided, mm-hmm. nope, we're just going to have Nikki Ash win it. And then it means that either we're going to have Charlotte Flair win the title back next week, or there's going to be a Charlotte Flair match with her next week, uh, a SummerSlam or a triple threat match at SummerSlam or something along those lines. They're very into the idea right now of, yeah, we need our biggest matches for the title, which I'm fine with. But I also feel like, okay, in that case, just always book things like that, you know? Yeah, but uh, yeah, it is just one of the ways they're going about it. And realistically, if Charlotte does win it back next week, it's only just to pad out the thing. It's like, okay, now she's a 12-time women's champion. Now we're only five away from her breaking her father's record. I think that's been the thing, thing that gets me about Charlotte Flair is the fact that there's absolutely nothing wrong with her as a person. There's absolutely nothing wrong with her as a wrestler or as a performer or a promo or anything like that. It's just that you can't separate yourself from like her always being at the top because the reason why she's always at the top is because of her last name. And people could talk about the fact, no, she's great in the ring. And yes, she is great in the ring. But if she was all that she is and she wasn't a Flair, she wouldn't win the title as often. Because Sasha Banks is everything as good as Charlotte Flair is, and she hasn't won it nearly as often. And definitely hasn't held it for as long. Yeah, because the only reason she holds it, she's won the title as many times as she has, is because that she's going to break Ric Flair's record. And she wouldn't break Ric Flair's record if she wasn't related to Ric Flair. <laughs> and that's fair. Yeah, so I, I, it's not me saying that Charlotte Flair shouldn't be the, one of the top stars in the company, because absolutely she should be. But she would have more ebb and flow if she wasn't directly related to the greatest world champion in history. I it's agree. That's just, just all I would say about the whole thing. So don't attack me or say that I'm I'm not going far enough on Charlotte Flair, but saying like oh, she's awful because of course she's not awful. Like I don't care. Like, I know there are people that hate her out there, and there are people that hate her for the wrong reasons. I don't think you should even hate her. You can hate the way that she's booked. Don't hate her. But yeah, that's just that's my two cents on the entire thing. I agree. So that's uh that's raw out of the way. That's already just raw and got more and more to talk about. Let's talk about NXT. Um, so NXT, they well, let's talk about how they handled this carrying cross situation because I know it was kind of main event thing, but the first thing that happened is Samoa Joe came out. He wanted to take down carrying cross because of carrying cross attacking him the previous week and choking him out. William Regal says he can't do that because he's not a he's not signed up for that type of contract. 
Uh, Samojo says that he was provoked. They William Regal comes up with some bullshit excuse why he can't do it, and so they decide, okay, we're just going to talk about this later on and wait to see if Karrion Cross turns up. And he does turn up later on. He's not actually in the arena because I think they were probably pretty worried about what would happen in the arena, as we'll talk about a little bit when we get to the spoilers. But um, yeah, he just is outside and the camera pans down and he's taken out William Regal. So I guess if you can't beat Jeff Hardy, you have to beat up someone even older than he is. Yeah, because Regal hasn't wrestled in forever. They couldn't even show him taking the bump. Real shame. I mean, admittedly, it was on concrete. So yeah. I think I think even Regal would probably draw yeah, the line there. Yeah, but you could probably, like, okay, can I gently choke could you out? Him. And lay, yeah, could, yeah, could have yeah, choked him. Yeah, and lay you down. Mm. But no, they decided just to show him beating up and on the floor. So that will lead on to huge stuff, which we'll talk about when we get to the spoiler side of it. Uh, opening match, Bobby Fish and Kushida defeated Diamond Mines, Roderick Strong and uh, Tyler Rust. Um, so uh, it's I'm not clear. okay with uh, Diamond Mind already losing. I know. I mean, yeah, they're just another act now, of course. But I feel like this is just building towards uh, Kushida against Roderick Strong for the Cruiserweight title at either an upcoming NXT show or at the TakeOver. So that's that's the way I see it right now. So but... strong Kushida is how I see it going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the Cruiserweight And, title. like, that's cool and all, but... I feel like Stronger was already in a better position in the company, but he was North American champion in the Undisputed Era, so it feels weird that he's like, I want this one. You're like, what? I mean, I mean, there has been talks going on about the fact they want to make the Cruiserweight title mean something more again. So maybe this is part of the way doing it, by putting on having Kushida, who's a reasonably big name, hold it, and then give it to Roderick Strong, who's the head of this new faction. So at the end of the day, I can't... I can't say it's a bad thing that they're trying to add more prestige to the the cruiserweight title i would never complain yep uh frankie Monet defeated jc jane and seemingly is now head of the roderick strong brand even on the, the roderick strong the, the, Ro- the robert stone brand <laughs> the robert stone brand uh even though uh robert stone is still part of the robert stone brand well yeah it's the it's like when you have a buyout but unfortunately like like turner you know like <laughs> they merged yeah. the AOL Time Warner. Uh, we also saw Mandy Rose sitting at the announce table to watch, but she disappeared after Frankie won. So still no idea of what they're doing with Mandy Rose right now. But I don't think they know. Yeah, just like they they were told, oh, Mandy Rose is part of NXT now. And then they're just like putting her in segments at this point. You know, uh, and how weird is that too? Like Mandy was a big part of WrestleMania last year. Yeah. What is she doing just like on NXT? Well, more, more, more to the point. Do you think Aaliyah's now on ice like Vanessa Bourne was? Like she's been called up, but she hasn't been called up. Well, she won a dark match, okay. which I think is more than we could say for Bourne. So, oh, you know, not. you know, again, that's another big indication of why NXT is now loving. Now the people from NXT are having to do tryout matches, whereas the fact is, like NXT is supposed to be the tryout. Yeah, it's, it's like they're on TV. What do you mean? Vince doesn't want to watch it. It's like I don't watch that shit. Well, then don't produce the show. I know. Like, so weird. We we have to move on because we could talk about that for all day. But uh, Carla Riley defeated Austin Theory in a decent match. Yeah. Uh, 
still don't know. Yeah. Like Colorado's kind of spinning his wheels. He's going to have another match with Adam Cole, presumably at the next takeover as well, in some sort of other gimmick match. I assume that they're just going to fight in that like Ambrose Asylum cage. I think it's going to be two out. I think it's going to be two out of three falls. But I assume that that third fall is like, and if you need it, you're going in here because yeah. Oh yeah, it could be yeah. This is our big gimmick. But I just feel like that that's Adam Cole's kind of gimmick, two out of three falls thing. So I I kind of just feel they'll go to that well again. Um, there was some more uh, stuff with between uh Hit Hit Row and Legada del del, del Fantasma. So they're building up towards Fantasma challenging for the North American Championship. Cool. Next year, if they go back to Rolling Loud, I hope Hit Row is still a faction, and I hope they go. I hope they don't go to Rolling Loud again, but we'll we'll talk about that when we get SmackDown. Uh, NXT Breakout Tournament, another first round match. Odyssey Jones defeated Andre Chase. Uh, unlike last week, I think they made the right choice with this one. Yeah, Odyssey Jones is insane. I feel like he's got star power in all over him. Uh, so, yep, that, I think that was a good choice. Uh, Drake Maverick uh, got a shock win over LA Knight, but the more interesting thing was stuff that happened afterwards where Grimes went to, Cameron Grimes, the butler of uh, LA Knight right now, went to help Drake Maverick after Knight took him out, but Knight ordered Grimes to attack Drake Maverick, and so he did, and now he feels terrible about it. So It's so, going to yeah. be weird if they drag it out for too long and then Grimes winning the million-dollar belt won't feel as special. And last we'll talk about about the um, at least this edition of NXT was the women's championship match in the um, main event. Raquel Gonzalez successfully defended it against Zaya Lee and potentially broke her ribs. Yeah, so for the second straight uh, Zaya Lee match, there has been an injury inflicted on one of the wrestlers. Uh, first one, well, maybe not an injury per se because it doesn't seem like they'll be out for long term, but something happened that wasn't expected in the match. So obviously the previous one was Zaya Lee kicking the face off of Mercedes Martinez and knocking her down. And in this one, it was Zaya Lee, uh, uh, Raquel Gonzalez dropping all of her weight on a senton onto, or an elbow drop senton type move onto Zaya Lee's ribs. Uh, she basically they spent ages with the the doctors and the referees basically saying like, oh can you continue and then does continue and Raquel Gonzalez drops her on her spine again <laughs> and yeah and she's like screaming in agony and they get the pin I just they should have just stopped the match I think yeah it's not like her taking that final move oh, she was gonna mm. lose anyway yeah like I would have stopped the match yeah, and to us, that would have been better for Zyla's character because it's like she just got hurt and it means that because she would she's been undefeated since coming back in this new gimmick. Just like, oh, we had to make sure that she was pinned. Like, like have a bit beaten and then she can kind of like show she still needs to get stronger or she still needs to do a bit more training and stuff like that. Whereas this one is just like, nope, just make sure she's beaten. We have to move on. We've got another challenger on the way. So, yeah, I just, I don't think this was a... I don't think this was a particularly great match. And yeah, the way that it ended was pretty uh pretty painful as well. I don't know much to say about this except for the fact that I know the spoilers are Dakota Kai. Yeah, so and I'm gonna talk about uh, all the NXT spoilers coming up next. So So we're, Dakota we're Kai spo- like look, Dakota Kai obviously was the natural plan here. I think it's unfortunate because uh, Raquel was supposed to get her over, and now Raquel is the over one. It's kind of like Sean and Diesel, except I'm not sure 
Dakota gets the chance to come back. Well, we'll see how it goes. But let's talk about the uh, spoilers coming up now. So if you don't want to listen to the spoilers, then just keep skimming forward until I say back or whatever, something like that. Just wait until we start talking about SmackDown. Um, but so we've got the uh, spoilers for both the July 27th and the August 3rd episodes of NXT, which will take place on Sci-Fi because of the uh, uh, Olympics are in the USA network. Uh, oh, God, back on Sci-Fi. God, it's like ECW over again. Yeah, they're really uh, going to kill it. They're going to kill it. Uh, so Pete Dunne and Only Law can defeat Timmy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa, uh, with Ridge Holland returning. Uh, that's weird that they're still doing that faction. I hope they start to accompany Pat McAfee to the ring on SmackDown. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, Samoa Joe comes back and uh, he uh, talks to William Regal. He resigns as an authority figure and he comes back as a wrestler. So it will be the match at TakeOver 36 him against uh, Cross for the NXT title. Uh, breakout tournament first round, Carmelo, Carmelo Hayes defeated Josh Briggs. Uh, really? Had, yep. So that, that that's my bracket busted. I had Josh Briggs pegged doing the whole thing. Uh, we had NXT Women's Champion Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai come out. As mentioned, this is when uh, Kai turned on her, laid her out from behind with a kick, then raised the title over. So that's going to be a match for the women's title at TakeOver. Uh, Team Ninja, Kayan Carter and Casey Catanzaro defeated Jessica Mayer and Frankie Monet. I'm good with it. Uh, with Robert Stone coming out. So, again, that's just a tag team match. Good to see. Uh, I assume Kamea took the pin there. But that's just the assumption. Uh, Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner defeated uh, Top Dollar, AJ Francis and Ashante the Adonis. Due Unfortunate. To, due to a distraction by Legado del Fantasma. Yeah. Um, I get that. And in the main event, Adam Cole defeated Bronson Reed with Kyle O'Reilly attacking Cole after the match with a steel chair. I'm just thinking which, this is really going to help with my fantasy league picks for next week. Yeah, which is which is lucky that you do have this. Um, go on, move on to the uh, August 3rd episode. Uh, Ridge Holland defeated Ikamanjiro because we got a really cool Japanese guy and we're just going to bury him six feet under at this point. <laughs> Uh, I know he's I know he's a newcomer and stuff like that, but it just feels a bit odd that you're picking this guy to lose all these matches. But that's it's, fine. Well, yeah, because it's just one of those things where I guess somebody's got to lose because you've traded so many people up and over and back around that mm. maybe you've got to switch plans around. Uh, Roderick Strong defeated Bobby Fish. That's uh, good. That should be a big match. Yeah, think about it. Well, it's like the second match on the show, so they yeah, both, really. really put it in a good place. Uh, Grizzled Young Vets defeat Cameron Grimes and LA Knight in a tag team match. Um, so Knight walked out on Grimes during the match, and after the loss, uh, Ted DiBiase returned to uh, talk ah. with Grimes. So Ted DiBiase is not out of the picture yet. In the final first round match, Trey Baxter defeated Joe Gacy. That's good. Uh, Hit Rose Ashanti the Adonis and Top Dollar, uh, Top Dollar AJ Francis defeated uh, Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wild uh, in a DQ when uh, Santos Escobar interfered with a steel chair. Uh, Swerve Scott then got involved with a chair as well. So yeah, they're gonna have some kind of like uh, it's a six-man tag, and if anybody pins anybody, Santos wins the North American title. Uh, NXT champion Karrion Cross came to the ring for a promo on Samoa Joe. 
Joe tried to confront him. He ended up beating up a load of security guards and Cross got away and retreated. Uh, apparently they had to retake the segment due to the fact that there were loud Jeff Hardy chants throughout this entire Which thing. is fucking hysterical, Callum. Mm. <laughs> yep. And then in the main event, a love her or lose her match. Uh, it was Johnny Gargano against uh, Dexter Loomis with the stipulation being that it, Loomis must stop chasing Indy Hartwell if Gargano wins. I, I guess <laughs> chasing in the, I guess chasing in the more romantic sense as opposed to the creepy stalker sense. To the sense. stalker that he yeah. is. Uh, Johnny Gargano actually defeated Dexter Loomis. Um, Hartwell went to leave after the match, but then she ran into the ring instead and then kissed Loomis. And then apparently they made out on the ring and then the show ends and then left together. So basically they did a stipulation where if Gargano won... It's lover or leave her, but actually she leaves the way. Yeah, so it's just the idea. It's just... Like why? What's the point? Just have Dexter Loomis beat Johnny Gargano if that's what your plan is to do. Why have him lose the match to Gargano and then just break the stipulation immediately? This is why nobody thinks that stipulations in wrestling mean a shit anymore. Uh, you know, I saw a tweet that said, "Like I love AEW, but they need to thank Vince because AEW can do the most basic shit and get praised beyond belief just because." Wrestling took such a downturn for so long. Hmm. All right, so we move on to SmackDown. So this was far less uh, eventful than either of the two shows prior to it. Uh, John Cena back out again, does more talking about the stuff. Again, challenges <laughs> Roman Reigns. There's not really much that he says here, really. No, except Paul Hammond comes out and starts mocking his theme song. Yeah, that was the that was the best part about it. Which we're not gonna imitate here. You should just go look it up online because it's amazing. Yeah, it's impossible for us to imitate. Uh, uh, to imitate. We had Finn Balor first match back since rejoining SmackDown. Defeated Sami Zayn. Good match. These two always work well together. Uh, simple and clean. We had uh, Baron Corbin more crying backstage. <laughs> he said that. He, the guy he got to be Corbin Funmi stole his identity. He also said on Talking Smack that he lost money on Bitcoin and that when you're the king of the ring in WWE, you get $20,000 a week. <laughs> That's a... Uh, well, yeah, hopefully, hopefully King Nakamura is enjoying, enjoying all that <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, really. Uh, that's how he's paying Rick Boogs. <laughs> so, so. Very good. Um, so then we, had, then we had one of the these traditionally awful like paint by numbers segments where some guy comes out in this case Big E comes to the ring and talks about the world title opportunity then Apollo Crews and Commando Seeds come out then Dolph Ziggler and Bobby oh. Roode come out then Rick Booze and Soon Skanakamura comes well, out hold on because then... Dolph Ziggler and, and uh, Dolph Ziggler and Roode come out and Ziggler says if anybody's talking about the Intercontinental title it should be us wait what first of all you're a tag team and there's a tag team be Intercontinental champions mm. second of all Nobody was talking about the Intercontinental title. Big E talked about his briefcase win, and Ziggler just went on a tangent. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so, so it seems to be now this is like um, this is the circle of people that are now fighting for the Intercontinental title. So you have obviously Apollo Crews, the champion. Big E seems to still be involved because you can't have an Apollo Crews feud without involving Big E, seemingly at this point. Uh, Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode are there. Shinsuke Nakamura is there. Cesaro's there. So I presume next week we're going to have a six-man tag. Uh, no, we're not. We had a six-man tag last night. 
we just didn't see it because uh. that's what they showed the Cleveland cl- crowd while we were at Rolling Loud. Well, of course they're going to still do it then. They're just going to do it next week, just on TV this time. I, I hope not. I really I don't want Biggie in this rivalry. Uh, speaking of rolling now, talk about a bunch of people watching something that they have absolutely no idea about. So, uh, okay, I'll, I'll keep this short and sweet. They should have done the Andrew Dawkins match because it's it's flat. Like... You need to get. You need to be high octane, high energy. I want Bianca Belair whipping people with her hair. Like they should have put Bianca in there with Zelina. Like you know how Bianca was like, "Oh, you tried to poison my husband. I'm gonna get you, bitch." Like that's what she should have been doing here. She should have whipped Carmella up and down the stage to the point where Carmella almost falls off into the sea of people. At least get people hyped about what they're seeing, because otherwise. It's people watching wrestling when they weren't planning to see wrestling. So what actually happened was Angelo Dawkins defeated Chad Gable in just a match. And then Bianca Belair successfully again for the second straight week defended her title against Carmella. In just a match. Yeah, in just another match. So, yep. And the crowd didn't really care about anything with that in that regards. Um, we had Edge and Seth Rollins had a... Like, Want to verbal spars with each other, and they're gonna obviously fight at Summerstone. I do want it in a no DQ. It's getting too personal. It's getting to that point where it's like, don't do that thing where you go, and I'm gonna beat you in a regular hold for hold match. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we're gonna get. Yeah, maybe only because Extreme Rules is the bump later. If Edge is still around in September. Yeah. I just don't think they're going to do some sort of... I feel that there's going to be other matches on the card that might have that sort of stipulation attached to it. So I just I just feel Edge versus Rollins is just going to be Edge versus Rollins. Fair enough. Uh, Tony Storm made her SmackDown debut, defeated Zelina Vega because Zelina is just there. You know what her gimmick is? I like the 80s. <laughs> that's, what they're, that's what they're going for with Tony Storm. Yeah. Hey, she's so 80s. Like, okay. Yeah, it's like the heel turn never happened. Her last what? like run with NXT was just never a thing. She's just back to being a baby face and back to being, like, well, just like someone who likes the 80s. She's got absolutely no depth as a character yet. Uh, yeah. But we'll see. We can only hope because the expectation is too depressing. Uh, I agree. In the main events... So at least in ring main event, uh, Jimmy Uso defeated Dominic Mysterio. Lame. Uh, they sloppy towards the end. Yeah, presumably there'll be another tag team title match in the offing, probably at SummerSlam, I imagine. But got loads of single matches and potential tag team matches to do up until then. So, and in the actual main event segment, Roman Reigns came out, uh, soaked in the booze of the crowd. He went to uh, with. He responded to Cena's challenge. He rejected it, said that he's not going to fight Cena. And then Finn Balor comes out. Finn Balor then offers a challenge. And then uh, the show kind of ends on a cliffhanger with the crowd chanting ch- ch- Roman scared. And I feel like there was two, two or three, I feel like there may have been two or three plants in the audience chanting Roman scared. Didn't that, that, that's not when they went off the air. No, no, they didn't go off the air yet there, but they had, they, the, the crowd was chanting that. 
oh I felt, yeah they were... i felt like that's something that nobody would think of chanting organically which is weird but whatever it worked because i guess the whole building started doing it yeah and then the show kind of ends on a cliffhanger but it seems like we are going to get roman versus finn balor in a build-up towards SummerSlam. Yeah, my guy, he's still got to fight Cena at SummerSlam. Oh, yeah, of course he's going to fight Cena at SummerSlam, but they decide to just, like, swerve us a little bit to make us think that, oh, maybe that match isn't going to happen, but instead it's going to be, like, him taking on Balor, so Balor's going to lose. He's probably his second match back on SmackDown. But he's got yeah. one win, better than Karrion Cross. Hey, man. Um, so that's the that's all the WWE side of things. I think that that pretty much covers it. Because let's get into the big stuff, and the big stuff means AEW. Oh God, like what a what a week! Uh, yeah. Do you want to break down Dynamite real quick? Um, yeah, we're going to talk about actually. I want to talk about this quickly before we get on to Dynamite because I, I left this news in because obviously a lot of talk we're going to talk about is signings. But let's talk about one that's an absolute definite signing. Thunder Rosa is now officially part of the AEW roster. I She's officially we, signed with the company. I knew just a little bit beforehand, and I was just like, "Oh, that's so great! That's so great for her!" Like I am so enthused that Thunder Rosa is away from the NWA. You know, she's with AEW, great signing for the women, great signing for Tony Khan, great for Thunder Rosa, just positives all around. Yep, so it's something that we definitely would have seen coming because she's been on AEW TV for a long time at this point. And after they were able to seemingly buy her out of her NWA contract and get her signed up there, that's great. That means they can go full steam with her now. And I can definitely see her being the person in the, I don't want to say not too distant future, but definitely in the future to be the person to take that title off of Britt Baker. Yeah. But the title stays around Britt Baker's base, uh, waist, at least uh, from this week's show. But let's talk about AEW Fighter Fest Night 2. Uh, a pretty uh, notable show in many ways. Uh, but let's start with the um, opening match. The first Labors of Jericho match. Uh, Chris Jericho took on Sean Spears. Obviously, the stipulation being that Sean Spears could use a steel chair when Jericho couldn't. Uh, Jericho defeats Sean Spears uh, when Spears goes like headfirst into the steel chair, hit with a Judas effect. Uh, yeah, that's that was the first match. Like I said in the fightful show, you expect Sean Spears to lose. This is okay. Next week is going to be a bit of a challenge. Yep. Yeah, so. I was I was totally cool with this. I mean, I know people will say like, "Oh, Jericho." Obviously, Jericho's in his fifties now, and him beating people like that. But I just feel like Sean Spears' dime was cast as soon as he lost to Cody. Like he's just a a lower mid card guy. He'll be the guy that gets kicked out of um uh the uh, the pinnacle and replaced by some hot new up upstart eventually, and just like so he'll be the, he'll be the guy that is replaced by him, and then he'll end up as a he'll be released by the company and end up as like a special announcement like oh my god, and the number ten in the Royal Rumble is Ty Dillinger's back. Yeah, that, that's that's basically how I see his trajectory going. I see him staying with AEW for as long as the, as long as they'll have him. Mm. Uh, but the announcement afterwards was something that was uh, a bit more interesting is that. His second match is going to go outside of uh, the pinnacle, and he will have a no disqualification match against Nick fucking Gage. All right, we don't talk about Nick fucking Gage on this podcast, but uh, people love Nick Gage. He might not be my cup of tea, 
you know, I'm sure Deathmatch Wrestling isn't your cup of tea, but people love him, and that's all that matters. This dude's going to have so much fun next week. Yeah, so they're going to have a match with the pain maker, Chris Jericho. Cause this, was a back... bad, this was a bad reveal. This was yeah. so silly. It, yeah, it is a little bit like... Like, he, he doesn't have a quote-unquote vicious gimmick because, you know, the Painmaker was just a thing that he did in New Japan for a little while to mock the Rainmaker stuff. And he wasn't, he wasn't like, super vicious then. The, the most vicious things that he would do is DDT someone on a, um announce table or something. Or flip yeah. the bird, or flip the bird in, in front of a camera. And I'm good with it. It's just him putting on the hat and doing the... I guess it seems... Cheeky. Yeah. But we'll see how that goes. It's gonna be an interesting uh be an interesting match to put together. I mean, we kinda of know how things are going because of the way that the labor's been laid out. But it should be interesting to see how they match up against each other. Uh Frankie Gazarian lost to Doc Gallows in a pretty pretty quick match. Uh he should have won, but whatever. Yeah. It's stuff that happens afterwards again that was more of the bigger deal with uh Kenny Omega and Don Callis coming out. They like they cut promos on Kazarian, but then Paige comes out to make the save, gives his drink to Callis, starts beating up uh, Gallus and Addison. The Dark Order come out to even the odds, and so just a little bit more build towards that uh, five on five match that we're going to have next week. Yeah, just more good stuff. Yeah, I mean, great stuff here. I like the Survivor Series match next week. It should be a lot of fun. I. Don't know how they get around Paige winning, and maybe they don't even need to. Maybe they can just have Paige win it and just build two all out. Yeah, I have multiple scenarios in my mind for it, but let me let me put it this way: especially with the news that's come out recently, I'm so not sure about Paige yeah. winning the title as I previously was. Yeah, I, I mean, we'll get there. Uh, we had uh, another quick match, which basically like was window dressing to what the actual fun part of the segment was. It was uh, Darby Allen against Wheeler Utah. Darby Allen wins because Wheeler Utah is like essentially a young boy at the moment for AEW. But more interesting stuff was the exchange, the lane kicking exchange between uh, Orange Cassidy and Sting on the outside. That was uh, so much fun. The absolute highlight being Sting beating his chest with like absolute no with uh, ap- intensity with, whatsoever. With full apathy. Mm. Yeah, but that was a great segment. That was just a, a nice bit of fun on the outside. But the match itself was kind of, you know, yeah, just uh, that was just it was kind of the window dressing for the actual event. Uh, yeah. AEW, AEW Women's Championship. Uh, Doctor Britt Baker uh, defeated and retained the title against uh, Nyla Rose. Uh, I don't think this was a particularly good match. Uh, I don't think that, uh, and I'll get to, I get heat for this by certain people and stuff like that. I don't think the Britt Baker title reign has been particularly good. Well, no, because all she's done so far is fight. Uh, yeah, no, but that's, but that's but that's the but that's the that's the problem. It's just a case of like she's she's great. She's done some good promos and st- stuff like that. But the fact of the matter is that. Her entire title run has been built around this feud. This match wasn't particularly good, so I think they really need to start trying to get it into gear with her a bit. Yeah. Uh, but she's got this out of the way now. She defeat, defeated her with the locked jaw, taps out, so hopefully she can move on to someone who's a bit more interesting. Or, or, uh, 
Statlander or something. Well, it's, it's weird because I, I assume the next time she's going to defend the title is in the is on one of the Pittsburgh shows, and so she she's going to be a babyface for that. So she, I think she should fight another heel. And so yeah. I, I, my suggestion would probably be the bunny. I don't know. Yeah, it's either the bunny or Penelope Ford, but they've all been losing really. Yeah. So, uh, maybe like maybe someone who's like good, but like obviously is not going to win, like Swell or something. Like, like yeah. she's still she's still a baby face, but like she's not going to win the title. So I guess you can just she's okay playing the heel for that one night. Which is true. I don't. It's hard because they don't have a lot of heels. We just did this for the heel of the moment tournament where you're like, oh, there's no heels really in that company. Oh uh, yeah, we'll wait. We'll wait and see how that goes. But uh, we had uh, Tony Schiavone interviewing Andrade. Uh, he's now got a new executive consultant, Charvo Guerrero Jr. That's so wild. But I, I love it. He appreciate the Charvo chance because he always gets faced with the Eddie chance. But I assume now that he's going to be a heel, he will get the Eddie chance eventually. Um, uh, I, I like Charvo. I feel like there's a good chance for him to kind of reinvent himself for a new generation. So they uh, were interrupted by a death triangle. Uh, they basically, they basically seem to be some sort of back and forth about the idea that, uh, yeah. Why is Pac leading two luchadors? Why isn't Andrade, like the, why isn't Andrade and Pentagon and Phoenix, like the, the unit instead, but they seem to be completely against the idea. They seem to all be, still banded together as Death Triangle, and so they're going to feud with Andrade moving forward. So I wonder if Andrade will get his own little unit. I know you suggested the idea that it's the... Um, yeah, Elephant. Like, yeah. just bring it over. Just, there's enough of the Ingolnavales factions across the globe to get something going in AEW. So I'm hoping something happens there. Uh, we had Orange Cassidy versus The Blade, another kind of nothing match in general. Uh, Orange Cassidy wins because of course he does because the blade is the blade was gonna fucking win this match. Of course he was. <laughs> uh, Orange Cassidy wins. He beats him up with uh, brass knucks afterwards. Yep, just a thing that happened. Yeah, I, I know Sean was like, oh, he might have the brass knucks, and I'm like, yeah, I don't really. Okay, <laughs> like, sure, he's got brass knuckles now. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, like, it, I don't need to cheer. I don't want to cheer heel. Tactics, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's fair as well. I, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes with with them. I think it's, it, it might just be a case of him just using it when the moment's right, but maybe he just doesn't keep them. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But the uh, main event was the probably most talk about thing on the show itself, which was uh, John Moxley defending the IWGP United States title in a Texas death match with Texan boy Lance Archer. And who who would have funk it? The hometown boy <laughs> wins the championship, and he is the new IWGP United States champion for his second for a second time. No, no way! I mean, a hometown guy yeah, winning his hometown. Wow! That, I mean, that's that is like that's the most illogical bar. booking. That's completely illogical booking. That's the low bar, man. It's so yeah, ridiculous. And Moxley decided he was going to play heel in this, and he did do a great job with that. There's a lot of uh, crazy spots, like. Trash can lids, forks, uh, like paradigm shifts on the floor, and all this other stuff. Like, but Lance Archer like was able to fight back. 
he um when he was going to do, do a paradigm shift off the apron lance archer hits him in the head multiple times with the fork gets a choke slam goes through two tables he's counted down and yep we have a new champion and it was a big moment for archer because he's always been the guy who like beats all the jobbers and stuff like that in convincing fashion but never wins the title but now he's won a title and now it feels like okay he's here he's a big deal yeah, it seems so weird. I was like, oh, there's no way he's, there's no way Lox is losing because they're going to fight Hikuleo next week. There's an IWGP US title match next week, and maybe the son of Haku just wins the belt on AEW TV. That's insane. That's where we're at right now, man. The, the synergy amongst wrestling promotions is next level, and it's insane, and it's beautiful, and it's wonderful. And Callum, it is perfectly fit for a man that asked for this and that man I'm talking about is Daniel Effin Bryan who according to Cassidy Hayes of Body Slam they signed Daniel Bryan well let's get one thing clear because I don't know this Daniel Bryan that you're speaking of I only know Bryan Danielson uh, that's, that's actually a very good point if they have Don- Daniel Bryan signed yeah, as, as far as as far as Bodyslam.net's uh, report is going, obviously that's the only like the only confirmed reports, as it were. But it hasn't been confirmed by other. I don't again. I don't want to delegitimize uh, uh, Bodyslam.net, but it hasn't been uh, signed off or co-signed by Wrestling Observer or Fightful or Pro Wrestling Sheet or anything along those lines. So I don't say take it with a pinch of salt. I think I I personally think that this will happen, but. I'm not going to hold my breath just yet. But the idea that's been talked about is that Brian Danielson has signed with AEW and will make his debut on the uh, September, I believe, is it 22nd? or 22nd. Yeah, September 22nd show at Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York. Or do they just move it up a little bit? Well, that's that's the idea because a lot of people, a lot of people have spoken about the idea that maybe that's uh, – that's uh, them trying to weed out whoever leaked this news out in the first place and then to say like, oh, he's going to debut in After Ash Stadium and see who reports back to the dirt sheets about that or, oh, he's going to debut at this point in time. And I mean, if, at the end of the day, if they sign in, they can do whatever they agree to. I don't really care about spoilers at this point because that's one of those things, man, where it's just incredible that we're even here. And Daniel Bryan wasn't even the, the biggest piece of news. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> I, mean, I want to mention the fact that there has been obviously an update on the uh, Brian Danielson thing is that he's, uh, well, Daniel Bryan is not listed on the internal plans for WWE merchandising and licensing for 2021-2022. So that basically gives you the suggestion that he's not going to be part of WWE at that in during this period. So that kind of leaves AEW as the most open thing. The suggestion or at least the rumored story going around is the fact that he wanted to sign with whatever company is going to be working with new japan and will allow him to go over to new japan and do stuff over there as well and so basically considering the fact that a fucking new japan title changed hands on the AEW main event i kind of it kind of pretty pretty clear which teams are working together here so that's probably most logical reason why uh brian danielson will move over uh, but, and, and who's the, like, maybe they just announced him for the G1. Who knows anything anymore? Because mm-hmm. he is free. He can technically do the G1 without even showing up on AWTV. Yeah, absolutely. But I guess, as Rob says, that's not the 
even the biggest piece of news, the biggest piece of news being that CM Punk might be in line for an in-ring wrestling return once again with AEW. With multiple rumours circulating about this, I've tried to keep track of the most recent stuff. This was first obviously reported by Fightful Select that they were in talks about coming back, or at least that Punk was in talks with multiple people about um, coming back to the ring. Uh, a follow-up report suggested that this had been uh, broached in uh, 2020 with Ring of Honor when Marty Skrull was leading the charge to try and bring him in. But now it seems like AEW is the most likely destination for CM Punk. And it's even got to the point where Ringside News has recently reported that it is 100% confirmed that CM Punk will appear on one of the Chicago shows at the end of August or early September. I mean, my lord. You know, CM Punk and my boss broke this news. And it's one of those things that you just you just start laughing because you're like, well, my God, if he's that in talks with them, this could really happen. And the Brian news gets dropped. And now you're looking at like, what are you going to be talking about? Punk, Brian, Omega, all in one company with Jericho. To a lesser extent, obviously, but Big Show's here, Sting is here. This is a major, major company that's got everybody not named, you know, Kurt Angle or John Cena that was just on top of wrestling 10 years ago. Yeah, it is a, yeah, as you say, like, if you can't bring people like John Cena or Brock Lesnar in or anything along those lines, then these are kind of, these are the two big Names. And to be fair, these two names fit AEW so much better than a John Cena. Well, John Cena in AEW would just be weird. And even Brock yeah. Lesnar in AEW would be fucking weird as well. But Punk and Brian seem to typify this. This is kind of like what this movement is all about. This uh, this, this uh, Phoenix company rising out of the independent promotions and like of the, the very cream of New Japan and uh, Ring of Honor and just bringing some top names together from the independent circuit. And these two were two of the biggest names in the independent circuit until they came over to WWE. And yeah, it's just huge news. I mean, the Brian, the Brian Danielson thinks that Danielson thing is big because obviously he was in the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah. You don't, like, I, I said that to Sean and Alex, like yeah, punk is amazing because he's one of the guys who everybody associates with wrestling like there are people who got out of wrestling but punk is their guy brian was in the main event of this year's wrestlemania there is no getting around that fact i love sasha love bianca they were not in the final match at wrestlemania they were in the final match of the first night sure because you keep splitting hairs to try and create history but daniel bryan main event at wrestlemania Daniel Bryan was just in the ring with Roman Reigns in April on on SmackDown. And Daniel Bryan's a free man. Like yep. he can show up right now. You know, that it's that kind of crazy. And punk. That I'm taking the approach of I won't believe it until I see it. Mm. But if punk is really gonna wrestle, my God, like so many people are gonna flock to AEW for that first match. Yeah, I'm just, I'm again, I would just leave this to everybody right now, just to 
I'd also take it with a pinch of salt because I, I, I think the reports have been coming out and they come from trusted sources for the most part. So I don't feel like there's there's too much to say that they're like completely bullshit or anything on those lines. But it is a case of believe it when it happens. And then to, to be excited for it, sure. But like, don't don't let the anticipation overwhelm the moment. moment. Yeah, because yeah, the moment's going to be really good. Like, imagine we could be talking about Punk versus Brian in the middle of Arthur Ashe Stadium just because. Just because you can do it, man. Like, uh, why not Punk versus Omega? Daniel Bryan versus Omega. Or, you know, uh, you said it, and honestly, John or Alex, I can't remember which one right now, said the same thing you did, which was just Bryan comes out, and not even, before he can even speak, CM Punk is out, and they're staring each other down. Yeah. That is the moment that you're looking for, man. Well, That's wrestling. I've kind of part of me has reneged on that idea because I don't think their first match should be against each other because that and I've I've kind of based that based on other stuff that I've heard from other people talking about it as well. Like, I'm not saying it would be a bad idea by any stretch of imagination, but I feel like it's a match that people have seen before. Obviously not in this iteration, but we've seen it in WWE and we've seen it in Ring of Honor and all these other places. I don't think they fight until a pay-per-view, like a double or nothing or something. Well, no, yeah, I think that you, I think you should wait for a year or something like that. I think you shouldn't even really have them interact with each other that much up until that point. But you have, I mean, like this is where we get into the realm of just wild speculation because we have no idea when, if and when, even when they do come in, what the plans for their like their role in the company is going to be. It does seem like they're in a wrestling role. It does seem like at least what the idea going across is that Daniel Bryan wants to work with New Japan as well. And so his schedule with them will probably be fairly part time or he'll want to go in back and forth between the two of them. And he probably wants to have a lighter schedule. Punk will probably be a part timer as well. We don't know that for certain, but I don't assume that he'll be actively in the ring unless he gets the taste for it again. Because obviously it's weird. He hasn't wrestled for seven years. Right. And his last experience, his last experience of pro wrestling was a pretty negative one. And so it'd be interesting to see what he comes back to because you know, last match in like late January uh, 2014, Raw Rumble, that fucking uh, uh, cyst or whatever you want to call it, the, the uh, staff, staff infection and all that other stuff and the concussion that he suffered in that match. It's like it all comes... Like it, it's just it's difficult to even fathom the idea of him coming back because I was kind of sold on the idea that he's never he's never coming back. Just people got to move on from that thing. He's got so many other successful ventures that he does, and he likes to be a guy that moves from one thing to another. I just didn't think that he'd ever go back when he seems to be taking when he seems to have been taking so many steps to go forward or do something else. Yeah, if it makes him happy, I'm for it, dude. Oh yeah, oh no, totally. If if he wants to come back and he's totally happy to do it, then I'm so down for him to come back. And I'm I don't think he's gonna suffer from ring rust. I mean, so like Edge came back after nine years, like even longer out of the out of uh, wrestling and came back and was pretty seamless fit. Christians come back and he hasn't really seemed to miss a step. So I, there's I don't have any doubt that Brian that that uh, Punk would be able to come in and pick it straight back up pretty soon afterwards, but. I guess the idea is, what do you want to 
see from these two coming in? What what I don't say even what um, matches do you want to see? Because matches obviously would be a, is a big talking point, but I think it's more when you talk about AEW, you're more talking about character or story for them because they care about that stuff more than just like what dream matches can we have for these two. Yeah, and Punk said the same thing. I mean, not Punk. Uh, Omega said the same thing to Meltzer. He's like, I want to build stories with them. Yeah, so that's so that's the that's the big deal. So I guess what do we want to see from that? Like, I think realistically, and again, I, I know it's not just all about dream matches, but I feel like there is a big story to be told between Punk and Hangman Adam Page. Yeah, if he can still tap into like the straight edge stuff. Mm. Well, you, I, I, that's where I feel like you can redo something with Paige losing the match to Omega and Punk basically calling him out and saying, like, well, of course you lost the match. You don't take you don't take anything seriously because you're drinking all the time. And that's why you're never going to reach the next level or something along those lines. And I'd do, it would be really good if he could pull that off. I think Brian comes in. but Brian has to be. And I'm talking Brian with his first name here, so it's like Danielson or something like that. Uh, like he comes in and he immediately steps up to Omega if Omega still is the champion. Again, we're we're talking about that as if like the idea of like oh it's it's definitely a certainty that Omega holds onto title. Well, they've been building this story between him and Paige for years. They're going to really going to drop it for that. That's why I think it's almost this news dropping. It almost feels like it was meant to be at this time, just to add that seed of doubt that like. I'm like, maybe they keep the tight one Omega then because they could have these great matches with Punk and Brian instead. Just... I think Paige beats Omega, but I think MJF beats Paige in Arthur Ashe Stadium, and just before he can get out the "I'm better, th- I'm the world champion, I'm better than you, and you know it," Brian, and before Brian can even get a word out, Punk, and now you've got Punk. MJF, Brian, there's a clear-cut heel, there's two clear-cut baby faces, there's so many stories you can tell, you well, know? Well, yeah, see, I feel like you really, you really miss the boat if you don't have Punk appearance in Chicago. He does have to go on, he does have to come out of Chicago. He does have to end, he has to end all out, standing tall, with Chicago going nuts. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I feel like he has to. I think it, like they would be silly not to have him appear on one of the Chicago shows, or at least announce him for it, because it's the idea of like, because all the crowd is going to be doing all night is going to be chanting for CM Punk. So you need to you need to satiate that need, otherwise they might. There's a case, and it's not the case. Mainly they do this with AEW because AEW fans are usually pretty good, and they get involved in all the action and they get super hyped up for it. But there is a chance of them hijacking the show if Punk doesn't appear on any of those. So. That is true. Listen, we thought it was over when he didn't appear at the first All Out. Mm. So yeah. who knows? So, but yeah, again, we don't know until it happens. So until we see that we hear Cult personality hit or the final countdown uh, play, because I assume that'll be the things they go with. That'd be and silly I'm- not to. Sean even said they could use Flight of the Valkyries. They could, yeah. I mean, yeah, but I just, I kind of feel like both would want to, I mean, not really, because Punk obviously did cold personality for UFC, so it seems pretty a lock-on that he's going to use that. It's more about the case with Brian. Does Brian want to 
keep that association with the stuff that he did in WWE. Yeah, obviously, they could yeah, do a remix, another remixed version of it, but like, or does he want to go back to, or does he want something completely different? Like, he could just come out with something completely new. That's true, you never know. It's it's so exciting. I can't yeah. wait to see how this goes. Yeah, it, just I know we obviously said that the main thing we want to talk about is like with them is like storylines and build like good angles with them. But if you were to say what are the top three matches you want to see for both of them coming into AEW, they have to team against the Bucks. Mm-hmm. They have. I would say. That's one of them for both, but uh, okay. Let, let's say you like maybe not top three. Then let's say we cut out the obvious ones. We cut out we cut out Omega, we cut out Moxley, we cut out uh, yeah, we we cut out uh, the Bucks. We cut out all like the people that you'd expect them to be built around because they're like they're going to be up at up a really high level as well. What kind of I guess like the names and the like the tier below or even the tier below that that you'd want to see them have a match with that you think would be a really good match. Brian and Cassidy would be good. Brian and MJF will be good. Punk and MJF will be great on the microphone. Um, Punk, I can also see having a great match and a great story with somebody like uh, he could probably get the most of Sean Spears. In fact, the entire pinnacle, I think, is tailor-made for CM Punk, because you got FTR, who never touched Punk. I'm not even sure if they touched Brian, you know? Mm. Um, you got, I mean, you got guys like Ray Phoenix for Daniel Bryan. You got Andrade for CM Punk, who I think he would have a lot of fun with. It's It's so open wide. Yeah, so... One that strings out to me is that I feel like we need to have Punk against Darby Allen. Oh at yeah. Some point. I just feel like they seem to mesh pretty well. I think that Brian against Jungle Boy is a, would be a huge match as well, just because it just just feels like that would be the type of match that Brian Brian would want to go twenty twenty five minutes with this guy and really just showcase him as much as possible. Because that's the thing about uh, Brian Danielson is just that he's there to wrestle to. I, I, again, I don't want to put words in his mouth because I don't know the guy, but he seems like he's making this move because he wants to do fun stuff with new people. And I think that's why Punk is ne- doing it as well. Yeah, but he, but Punk obviously I think is a lot more monetarily motivated and stuff like that. And I think he'll perceive himself in a certain position. Whereas I think Brian Danielson, it will, it will still get pushed to the top because of who he is, but I think he just wants to work with everybody. And he's never, ever shown any inclination of wanting to put himself over somebody else. Yeah, that was almost one of the annoying things at the end of his WWE run. Yeah. He was too comfortable not so, putting himself over. I mean, I could definitely see a circumstance going forward where Brian is the head of a, a babyface faction of new upstart people that they get from... Like, I can imagine him being the head of a stable with... I'm trying to think of like some up-and-coming talent like... Uh, not even like even like a really lowest level like a Sean Dean or a, a Brock Anderson or um, a Legla Hirsch and just like uh, him being like he's like they're spotting raw talent and he's trying to bring them through as like under his tutelage almost. I could see that happening. Um, Punk I feel is a bit more would be a bit more of a loner. 
And I feel like he should be somebody that really... F- I know we talk about like the Shades of Grey thing and whether they go too far with it, but I feel like he's someone who should really fluctuate and go with one side or the other and just to speak like as he does because there's few people that speak the way that Punk does, but just like mould, keep consistent in his character, but just mould it to adapt to the the alignment of whoever he's facing. Uh, Punk and Malachi Black. Mm. It's one of those ones that, you know, even though they're both to the degree guys, they're different guys. Well, they never, different. they never, ever touched. Punk and Neville never touched. Brian mm. and Neville, I don't think, touched. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's so many things. I mean, imagine them against Lucha Bros as well, or Santana and Ortiz, if you do put a tag team together with them. Um, I, I mean, I mean, we talk about all this stuff. The, the fact of the matter is that we don't know how how like when, even if they do sign how many dates they're working or how often they'll be around so it's like so we don't know how many of these dream matches we can get so it's hard to speculate and then there's also it, the fact it's that it's hard Brian, to speculate but it's also fun to speculate because you don't know maybe they're just going to be around well there's the other side of that like speculating on the other side of things like brian is going to fight kazuchika okada at one point he's going to fight hiroshi tanahashi he's going to fight shingo takagi He's yeah, fight. Punk seemed all but open to wrestling Will Ospreay, you mm. know. Yeah, and now seemingly, as you've talked about this, this seem uh this o- almost open door policy as it goes now. The forbidden door is now becoming the open door, where just everybody is going from different places. We could see uh CM Punk have a match with Sammy Callahan or something like that. We can see uh Daniel Bryan have a match with uh. Uh, filthy Tom Lawler or something, or we could see them fight off with people from Impact, or we'd see them fight with people in AAA and stuff like that. It's just because I know I know the idea was that Brian has always wanted to work for CM and but seemingly that's not going to happen with the current thing. But who knows? That's I've, it's a little bit more uh, dicey when it comes to. I mean, he could do that here versus the, versus mask match. Maybe that's the swerve. Maybe the swerve is. Brian's a heel off the gate, right out the gate, you know? I th- I feel like out of the two of them, the one that's more likely to be a heel out of the gate would be Punk, just because he just can do that with his character more readily. I just think, even though Brian is a great heel, I just don't feel like it would work straight out of the gate for him to be a heel. I just don't think they'll allow it almost. But, yeah, it, it is just a, it's a very, very interesting time to be a it's fan. It's exciting of, to be a fan again. Like, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's 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 starting to be a fan again, but it's just this is something that's like this feels like a sea change with AEW now. This feels like they're, they're going to be raw by the end of the year. In ratings, they're going to be raw. I I kind of feel like it, it does feel a lot like the tide is turning, but obviously they're so long to go. They've only been around for two years. Raw has like thirty years of legacy that can push past them. And so it it takes a long time for that to build up, but they're doing all the right things right now early on. And if they can get these two on board and they're a big part of things moving forward, whether it's like, I don't know, three years, five years, however long they go, because obviously they're both in their 40s now. They've only got so long that they'll be doing things, even though obviously wrestlers could, are working longer than ever before. It just feels like... Yeah, it feels like this is this is the company to watch right now. And 
I couldn't be more excited to cover it. I couldn't be more excited to just be along for the ride. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see how all this stuff develops moving forward because as as right now, we don't know whether they've signed. They've, there's not been a – I'm just checking now. There's nothing on the All Elite Twitter saying – Brian Danielson is all elite, or CM Punk is all elite. So we just got crazy to just drop it in the middle of a of a Saturday. Yeah. So yeah. Just, yeah, but we're just gonna have to wait and see when it happens. But yeah, there's a lot of things to be excited about with this company right now. WWE's obviously getting some new names coming in. They're building up towards SummerSlam. So yeah, this is gonna be an exciting couple of months when uh when like Rampage is hitting soon. Yeah, it's. I, Exciting times, very exciting times, and it's exciting to be a fan. And we hope you've enjoyed this. You yep. know, I've enjoyed you, Callum. I hope you get to spread your wings a little more and take over some of the some of the hot tag duties. Because I enjoyed this. You have great perspective on things. Well, I'm, of I'm, course, go ahead. I mean, I'm certainly not. I'm not vying for Tony's job or anything. Like, no, at least, at least no. not publicly. No. <laughs> But if but, the mango falls from the tree, it falls. What are you gonna? Things happen. Nature. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I hope that you have enjoyed this slightly um, unique edition of the hot tags, both in the fact of how big the news has been, and also the fact that it's just been me and Rob uh, guiding you through this week's stuff. Obviously, hopefully, it's also made up for the fact that because it's been a a particular, I guess, particularly long. To be fair, you guys go longer, but then again, you guys are like usually brain dead by the time that you do this stuff. Really, that so. is true. This was less of a brain dead hot tag. And more of just, oh, it's long because we got a lot of news. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully you've been enjoyed it, though. And, uh, yeah, it's been good going through all the news and events. And I'm sure there'll be plenty more to go when these uh, when some of these things come to full fruition. But, uh, yeah, as for now, just a reminder to everyone that if you haven't already, just smash the like button. Uh, yeah, just smash the like button. Uh, hit the subscribe. Follow us along on the YouTube channel. Like, uh, youtube.com slash smart moment if you're following us through the uh, podcast feeds then you know just leave a rating or a review anything that you can help us out with in that regard is all greatly appreciated helps get some more eyes or ears on the product uh yeah obviously mentioned the facebook on twitter follow at smart moment on both of those side of things obviously check out the website www.com smart and yeah just uh, click through all the weekly articles i do the power rankings but there's lots of other great weekly stuff and like fresh content on there as well uh, see what you think about heel or face turns and stuff like that because that's obviously a popular segment as well if you have any thoughts about that then tony will be more than happy to respond he always is that's that's what tony's there for really yeah for and we haven't even added i'm sure he's gonna have some great takes on some of these things <clears throat> when he gets around to being able to give his opinions and very excited for all of it. Of course, check out the sister website, Fanboys Anonymous. There will be, I'm sure, something in regards to the Suicide Squad in a couple weeks. Uh, we will do a Batman, The Long Halloween Part 2 watch along as soon as we can. We got all the James Bond stuff from our review to a kill series, which features more of the three of us just hanging out and having fun. So please support that channel as you would this channel. And if you do want more professional wrestling, you can follow me and the team over at Fightful.com. Sean Ross Sapp did break the CM Punk news. Please subscribe to Fightful Select. And, of course, there are my own personal 
Twitter, Instagram, and social media accounts at Dude Felice. And I thank you, Callum. I thank you. And I can't wait to be back here again next week. Absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at Wigmeister14 as well. Uh, in terms of what's coming up next on the uh, Smart Government channel, we're not particularly sure at the moment. There's a lot of, uh, I mean, there's plenty of stuff to talk about if we do think of something. But at the moment, we're a bit, uh, we're, we're still batting around ideas. We'll have to see, like, how, how the chips lie, as it were. But, yeah, there's plenty of stuff that we can be talking about. We've got plenty of ideas milling around there. But if you have any suggestions of something in particular that you want to be checking out, then just drop it in the comments below or just hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Get set, send us over the ideas, what you want us to see, and we might uh, put those ones forward. They might jump to the top of the list. Of course, there's obviously the Pick Your Poison tier on the Smart Cut Moment Patreon as well. So if you hit that up at the $50 tier, you can basically tell us to do whatever you want. We become your performing monkeys for right. however long you want to. And uh, we've even got something like that lined up soon of a... Um, a fantasy, fantasy booking, a fantasy yeah. booking of ECW's December to Dismember, uh, making that awful show uh, better, which I don't think will be the hardest thing that we've ever had to do. But uh, we'll see how we go across that one as well. So hopefully you look forward to that when that one drops as well. But yeah, I think that's all we've got uh, time for here. So thank you again very much for listening and we hope you've enjoyed the hot tags. Hopefully that's made up for the lack of a main event this week, but we will be back in full swing as of next week. But for now, this has been another Smart Count moment, and we are being counted out. Bye.